Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of Spit and Chicklets, presented by New Amsterdam Vodka. It's going to go around the table and say hello to the fellas this evening. Start out in the dirty desert with our boy, Biz Nasty, Paul Bessonette. What's up, brother? Hello, everybody. Ooh, stealing my thunder. Uh, next, we got a man. I think I don't know if Whitney's on his CB on his trucker radio, but he's commuting back to Boston. Uh, Ryan Whitney, what's up, brother? Where's your exact location right now? What up, what up? I'm back. Passing exit 2B Webster Ave on like 95 North. There's a trucker next to me. He's probably got a hooker in the car too. Some of those truckers <laughs> are filthy animals. Dude, I'm giving him the, I'm giving him the, dude, 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 dude. He won't give it to me. I'm too old. What's going on, guys? Not much fucking snorting truckers. You're a fucking clown. Snorting truckers delight, no doubt. And uh, finally, our producer down in New York City, Mikey Gurnelli. What's up, brother? What's up, boys? I'm very excited. We have a ton of uh, new merch dropping this week, including some awesome ugly sweaters. So I'm uh, very excited for those, boys. What did you get hey, the uh, rat in your room? Oh, yeah. So, so boys, he's gone, I think. We got these like sonar things that you plug into all the outlets, and, and I haven't seen him. So I think he's gone, and I think I won the war. Yeah, he's gone, except for the 17 million other rats and mice that live on that godforsaken island with you. That's so true. That, that's oh. all right. Dude, I love how you're saying a sonar thing. Like, uh, it's a thing. You don't know what it is. It's, you didn't just get a mouse trap. No, we got old school mouse traps, but we have these like sonar things. I don't know. My roommate got it got it for us, and uh, I don't know. We just plug them in all the things, and these little fuckers aren't around anymore. So I I, I think they work. Mm. Fucking shred the Mises yeah. to pieces. All right, boys. Um, Monday we had the this year's Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Uh, pretty good class, and right now I think the last couple of years we, we've gotten the classes of guys we grew up watching. Well, maybe not so much Grinelli, the youngster of the group, but all these guys we had the pleasure and joy of watching. And, and you know, as they played, we knew we were watching Hall of Fame careers. Uh, let's go through the roll call here. The of the guys, in, well, the one lady who made the Hall of Fame. Let me find my notes right here. Martin St. Louis, uh, Spit and Chicklets alumni. Martin Brodeur, uh, probably the best. Uh, what do you call it? Like uh, everything on the line goalie in history of the game. Uh, Willie O'Ree, the first black to play in the NHL. In addition to, um, the, uh, he started the diversity program with the NHL to branch out to children all over the, the continent. Uh, Alexander Yakushev of the fabled Soviet teams of the 70s. Uh, Jaina Hefford was a Canadian women's player. And uh, good old Gary Bettman was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame as well. So, uh, guys, did you have a chance to catch any of the speeches or any of the ceremonies the other night, Biz? Uh, I did not, but uh, you know, a, f- a few guys that once again I grew up uh, watching. That's kind of nice because before, uh, like before the last couple of classes, I felt like out of touch. 
And uh, I'm not much of a historian. I didn't watch a ton of hockey growing up. I was too busy playing it, making the NHL, not a big deal. Uh, but uh, one thing I would say is I'd put Marty Brodeur in the, in the, def- the body-defying science category of, of that generation. Like where like you, you, you would probably see him walk in the street and be like, oh, that's just your average Joe. But no, that's actually the greatest goaltender that ever lived. Would you agree with yeah, I mean he he has all the records. He a hundred, I think it's a hundred and twenty-five shutouts, right around that. I don't know if I have the number exactly right. His wins will never look like they'll never be touched. He's just, I mean, it was twenty-two years of that guy. Twenty-two years of him just making big saves. He also was, I mean, I don't know if he was the first. He was definitely the best to play in the puck. He was pretty much a third D man. He was just skating out there, roly poly, bing bang, tape to tape, like better than most D men. And then he'd make these six saves, and he was a kind of a hybrid. He, he wasn't, you know, butterfly. He just had his own style. I guess Hasek did too. Um, so I mean, that was the, the night. The night was awesome. I mean, I I, I loved uh, Martin St. Louis speech. We posted a little bit of it on Spit and Chicklets, I think, of you know how he's saying, "Don't ever give up." I mean, usually when you think of like a kid making the NHL, they go through adversity, whether they're 12 years old or 10 years old. And people are like, oh, he can't play in the NHL. What do you want to be? I want to be in the NHL. I'll pick something else. Can't do that. I mean, that's not really adversity, but it's people telling you you can't do it. That's what everyone's used to. He had to deal with that, not only growing up, but when he was in the NHL. Calgary, Calgary signed him out of college, but then they waived him. I mean, they, he had a team quit on him. He ends up being in the Hall of Fame. Are you shitting me? I was working with EJ Raddick this week. He mentioned that um, he was scouting with Dallas when he played at UVM with Eric Parent. They were freak shows, absolute freaks up in Vermont, just dummying people, probably crushing Ben and Jerry's after. And 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 even then, the other scouts would say, "You got to go see this kid play. You got to go see him play." He's like, "Oh well, who who drafted him? Nobody. He won't play in the NHL. He's too little, but he's incredible in college." So his speech was awesome. Um, it was a cool night. Willie O'Ree, well deserved. What the fuck took him so long to put Big Willie in? I mean, God, that guy's been a I mean, first black player ever to play the Jackie Robinson of hockey. You got to get him in sooner. So I'm glad that he's finally there. I met him last year. Just a hell of a man. No, I, I, a lot of good points there. I'm going to go back to Marty Brodeur, probably uh, known best for his rebound control, uh, his timely oh, saves. Yeah. He's an absolute gamer. Uh, I actually heard that he used to play a, a game. You know, we, we all play rebound. He used to play one where it was a, he had to control the rebounds where if he could end up getting it in the mesh above the glass where he would get score points, and that's how he worked on his rebound control, just to, like, kill plays and, you know, help out his defensemen. Of course, he was unbelievable at playing the puck, too. Um, uh, moving to, on to St. Louis, I mean, he he kind of he was kind of one of those guys that paved the way for where, where the NHL headed as far as those little guys who, yeah, I mean, Theo Fleury was probably the the guy before him that was you know just a little guy out there, but but it, it fucking sucked, man. And the game's gotten better ever since those guys paved the way for for scouts and teams giving smaller guys with speed who were skillful more of an opportunity. I mean, I, I bet you, uh, you know, older people who watched these small guys playing growing up could think of a handful of guys who probably got, I wouldn't say blackballed, but just weren't even considered to make the NHL because of their size. Like back then, that's just the way the mentality was. You needed to be big, over six foot. You needed to be close to 200 pounds. And that's why you were going in the first round. And, you know, of course, you, you mentioned the adversity he had to go through in order to make it. Ends up being a Stanley Cup champion, league MVP. Uh, I, I, I want to say, what does he have, two gold medals? 
or, or I, actually he was uh, left off the one team, and that was, I think, a rift between him and Iserman, and that's how it got going. But he made I, it. Oh, he did make but it. But then he made it because of an injury. Because of an injury. He won uh, the World Cup of Hockey with LeCavier and, and uh, Brad Richards after they won the Stanley Cup. 2004, I think he won the Cup, MVP, Ted Lindsay, um, and then he won the World Cup. So incredible. And what you're saying about smaller players – it's so true because I can remember growing up and wanting to be in the NHL so bad. All I thought about. And I remember constantly being like, well, at least I have the height. Like, no matter what, I have the height. Some guys have no chance. You know, the guys that are smaller, just no, like in my mind at that point, oh, he's no chance. So at least I, I, I'm somewhat there with having the height. And that did suck for a lot of guys. And I played with some incredible players who really didn't get a fair enough shake because of their size. And now it's different. So you do think of other kids that are never thinking, oh, I can't play in the NHL. Not that not the kids are out there doing it. I hope they aren't. But Martin St. Louis proved that he certainly didn't. Um, you know, no, that's a great point, Wit. And Ra, I want to I want to talk to you about this. Uh, Wit mentioned it. It took him a long time to put Willie O'Ree in. If anything, if I can spin it into a positive, now that social media has gotten so big. I'm almost kind of happy they did wait this long because so many people are able to see his induction and how important it is to to bring in like the multiculturalism, multiculturalism, and diversity into the game. And now he's able to you know to speak on it, and and, and of course his 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 induction speech touched a lot on that. So you know, yeah, did it take him too long to do it? Sure, but I'm glad that he was able to do it on this big of a stage. And, and congratulations to him. And Christ, we talked about the the adversity that St. Louis faced. Could you imagine the fucking adversity that that guy faced? Yeah, you're right, Biz. If it did happen 25 years ago, then you know he might have just kind of been lost in a little bit of the dustbin of history today. People are like, oh, Willie O'Ree, yeah, he was the first black guy, and really no connection to him because we haven't seen him, haven't heard of him. But he's been such a, a a presence for the last couple of decades since he took the job with the NHL and, you know, the first uh, diversity officer, you know, and spreading the gospel of hockey to inner city youths and black and Latino kids who otherwise aren't exposed to the game and, you know, kids who are poor and stuff. Uh, he, they say basically, I mean, from what I've read, he's getting inducted as much for that as he is for, you know, being the first black player. It's kind of a, a twofold thing because he is going in as a builder, if, if I'm not mistaken. He went in as a builder, not as a player because, you know, I think he played 45 games, which is irrelevant. I mean, he was the, you know, he broke the barrier. And, and, and I think it was almost 20 years before there was the second black player in the league. It was, it was wow. quite a lull afterwards. Yeah, it was the, uh, his name escapes me, the fellow that played for the, the Capitals uh, in the early 70s. Um, so yeah, it, it it was great to finally get him in. And yeah, like I think yeah, that's a good point because the build up maybe made him made us appreciate him a little more than if we were just reading about him from twenty years ago. Uh, another quick note on Marty Saint Louis. I texted you guys the story last night um, in the Athletic, and I do constantly reference that site because the hockey journalism there is fucking incredible. There were so many good writers who got laid off. The Athletic scooped them up, and they're doing like I said before, what newspapers used to do. Uh, there's a tremendous article on on Marty's. Um, Game six, overtime game winner in the, in the 2004 Stanley Cup. They talk to everybody. They break down the play. You should t- take a read of it if you haven't. Obviously, our listeners as well. Uh, and then just going back to Brodeur, man. I mean, he had a, a 9-1-2 save percentage and a 2-2-4 uh, goals against 124 shutouts. And you think about, like, a lot of the era he did that in. It was before the, you know uh, – you know, Blizzy start back in 91, 92, man. There was still some, you know, uh, bad goaltending back then. There was still some out- outrageous numbers being put up. And the fact he was able to have such good numbers considering he had, you know, a, a lot of the uh, high-scoring heyday still there. 
tribute to him. Uh, also, I just want to mention uh, Jana Heffard. She did win four straight gold medals. I don't want to give the, the, the woman short shrift here. Four straight gold medals uh, on, on top of a, a nice post-Olympic career. And uh, Yakushev was also in the 72 Summit Series, which I'm sure all your Canadian uh, grandfathers and great uncles always talk about biz frequently. Yeah, and, and to touch more on Jaina there, uh, she was uh, the only woman inducted in this class, of course, uh, finished off her career in the NWHL. Uh, that, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, with the Brampton Thunder, um, and then, of course, with the Canadian women's national team. And, and I mean, I, I don't want to – what's that? Sorry. Who won the gold medal in women's hockey this year? Oh, the, the United States. Yeah, oh, I, I just wasn't sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're going to interrupt me for that? Well, Jaina did win four, as you mentioned, RA, in 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014, Wit. So I just wanted to remind you uh, of those. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, right. addition uh, to a silver medal in 1998. So uh, congratulations to her. We got to give the ladies some mad respect. And, uh, and of course, you, you touched on it too, Gary Bettman. Yeah, he's not um, the first commissioner to be elected to a Hall of Fame in his respective sport. In fact, quite a few of them do get in. I don't know if it's a, a payback from the owners that the guy worked for. Uh, but, you know, Bedman, he, he gets shit on all the time. He still gets booed. I, I love the way he kind of eats it up. But if you look back where this league was before he took over and where it is now, hell, man, I have no problem with him going in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the growth of this game under his uh, stewardship has been fucking incredible. I mean, we talked uh, 25 years ago. The, the hockey, um, the, was it the contract the league signed with uh, TV partners? It was just over five million dollars a year. I mean, that gets you a fucking third line forward for one year nowadays, and that's what they had to, to dole out between thirty or twenty something teams back then. Uh, so that the leagues exploded under Batman, and I'm sure people will cry about it, but I really have no issue with them going. And what about you, Wits? Yeah, I mean, either the more um, you know, I kind of heard about, well, not heard, but realized what's happened since he took over. The more I understand it, you just went into a good description of it. But, I mean, think of the last few Stanley Cup finalists. You know, you got Nashville, you got San Jose, you know, the Kings have won, Anaheim's won a cup. And all these places weren't around. Tampa's been there. It's, uh, it's, it's impressive to see all the places that weren't, and weren't considered. I actually heard he hates the term non-traditional hockey market. I guess it, like, drives him nuts. But... It, it, it's very impressive to see where these teams have come from and where they are now. They're all over the entire United States, Canada. And because of that, you're seeing kids, no doubt about it, because of that, kids are coming from different places. Kids are coming from Florida, Austin, Matthew, Scottsdale. We've talked about this at length. And it goes back to Gary Bettman as part of the reason why and making sure that these cities got teams. And so to put them in the Hall of Fame, I understand that. I think at, at times, booing them is just, I think people just, do it for just because, like, the guy next to him is doing it. I mean, I don't really know why you're actually booing him. The lockouts piss people off, but hopefully we don't have another one for a little while. That could be a touchy subject. I've already started thinking if there's one, do we keep doing chicklets? We'll be fucked. We'll have nothing to talk about. Let's we'll talk about our, all of our lives. Shit, we can't have a lockout for chicklets. But good for Bettman. Get in the hall. Enjoy it. Have a good night. Uh, he actually had some humor in his speech, too. Oh, quickly before we move on. Marty St. Louis, it was sick because the Lightning were playing the Sabres the next night. They actually lost. Buffalo's on a pair. Mikey Grinelli with the over on the points. 
But all of his ex-teammates from Tampa, Ryan Malone was there. Teddy Purcell is going to come on. We're also dropping a Brent Sopel interview. We haven't mentioned that. But Teddy, we're going to talk to him. So that was pretty cool to have some ex-teammates. That shows how much of a good guy Marty was or is. Oh. Yeah, I think they had to bring in fucking two plane loads of guys that were there for his speech. Uh, Wit, you just touched on it. Teddy Purcell was there uh, to honor Martin St. Louis and, of course, watched the in- induction ceremony. Uh, I would imagine that none of us on this podcast ever make it there. So what we are going to do is bring Teddy on to – or maybe Grinelli will. You never know. Like NHL fucking spit, spit and chicklets producer, but uh, we're gonna bring him on for his behind the scenes look at it. He's gonna talk about it more in depth. I thought that would be cool for our listeners to experience that. Um, and to touch on what you just touched on too, Wit was uh, the touching. We're touching. Buffalo Sabres seven two and two in their last eleven games, four wins in a row. They're in the first wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Grinelli, you are not superstitious at all. And you will talk about it. You've been yelling it from the mountaintops. You took an unbelievable futures bet, and the Sabres continue to roll. They're, they're the guys. I love them. I'm riding with the Sabres team. I was talking to Witt about it last night. And, like, at the beginning of the year, you got, you, all three of you guys were pumping Florida's tires. And I sat back and said, I think that Buffalo's top nine is better than Florida's top nine. And when you look at them, I, I just think it's true. And Wick kind of gave it back to me last night that Florida's top nine might have more points. But, I mean, I just think when you look at the guys and, like, it's so it's just a solid, solid lineup, top to bottom. And now that Dolan's going to learn to actually play and, like, he, he'll learn from Rasmus Ristolainen and, and those guys, I mean, I think it's it's inevitable that they're going to be in the playoffs, boys. Oh. Old takes exposed. I hope so. <laughs> it's fun to watch. But you're, you're getting a little – you're getting a little – don't carry it away right now, Mikey. Let's I just carry to. it away. I have to. I either go hey. all in. I, I either have to go all in or I can't go in at all. You know, if you do something, you got to do it 100%. That's what she said. Hey, uh, Mikey. Mikey. Well, sorry. All right. Rem- podcast. Uh, tell the story about the, the, the ordering of the drink last night. Oh, this is bad. Let's this see. Well, let's, let's hear bad. it. And then we're going to move on to RA. Let's hear this quick. All right, so no, no, I, I think it's I think it's end of the podcast. We're okay. we're grooving through hockey right now. Okay, let's let's save it. All right, what's your thoughts? Yeah, Grinelli. I mean, there's still a lot of pucks left, but you do have to be impressed with what the Sabers have done so far. It's fun to watch Chicklets alumni Jack Eichel tear it up too. Uh, and there was a trade in the NHL yesterday, Wednesday. But before we get to that, let's bring on our buddy Teddy Purcell to get his perspective on the Hall of Fame induction and a few other things. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. We are now pleased to bring in one of our most requested guests after his big-time appearance last spring, Teddy Purcell, coming off a Hall of Fame induction for his former teammate, Martin St. Louis. He was with a bunch of guys, including Ryan Malone. Was Bugsy scooping ice out of people's drinks and chugging them? <laughs> oh, we were doing it all. Except the tone Malone was coming in hot. <laughs> So how was it? Did I give me give me the breakdown of when you got up there? 
who you went out to dinner with, uh, Marty speech, all that. Give us, give us the back info here. I mean, it was so awesome. Uh, Bugsy actually called me at, like a month ago and was like, Hey, have you talked to Marty? And we do some business stuff with Marty. So I was like, yeah, we talked like here and there texting. He's like, you got to call him right now. I'm like, man, I hate secrets. Just tell me what the fuck's going on. <laughs> they wouldn't tell me, wouldn't tell me. And then uh, finally I called Marty and he was like, yeah, I want to invite you to like my hall of fame induction. I was like, Whoa, like I didn't expect Whoa. it at all. So that was, that was super cool. Um, so I got up there, like the ceremony wasn't until Monday, but I'm like, fuck, I'm never going to get invited to one of these again. So I'm coming in early. <laughs> so I scooted in on Saturday morning and it would, I get to the hotel and, uh, they're like, Oh, Hey, Mr. Purcell, welcome to the hall of fame. I'm like, Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> and, then, uh, <laughs> and, and then uh it was actually super nice of the tampa owner mr vinnick who's the nicest dude ever he uh i get there i check in and my hotel was paid for everything was paid for my tickets were paid for i basically like went there for free which is also hilarious and um marty rents a restaurant out one night we go there we get absolutely shit-faced Marty's excited. His family's obviously thrilled. It's like the best thing. You got a bunch of beauties there. Um, we go back to the hotel. We have a hot stove in the room till like six in the morning. We get up the next oh, day. Like, that's oh, that's what I yeah. missed. Oh, I'm so jealous. That's what I missed. Marty had like the best guys there too. Like for so he had a bunch of guys from his 04 Cup team. Obviously, Vinny was there. I mean, this guy doesn't even get old either. He looks great. He's tan. He's jacked. I'm like, I go ahead. <laughs> I know. I, I tried to. He actually put me down in the hot stove at seven a.m. I he said I was getting. I went over the edge. I was trying to be. I was being too mean. And he took me down in the Marty Sweet. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So Marty. So Marty actually he was allowed to like invite as many people as he want, or you made the cut. And this makes me want to be so mad. What are the chances I get a slip from Sid? Uh, I mean, I think. You're there. You're the glue guy. Wait, you're like me. It's like me and yes. Bugsy. Like yes. we, I don't know why the hell we got invited, but I was like, all right, you're going to invite me? Give me an inch. I'm going to take fucking six miles. Let's go. <laughs> Never be back again. And it was, and it was, it was great just because it's actually, it was sad, but it's, it was, it was so awesome. I don't know if you guys saw the speech and Marty like thanked his mom. So the last time we saw all Marty's family and friends, um, it was when his mom passed away at the funeral. So to see his dad, Norman, he was dancing. He had the finger snaps going. His elbows were going crazy on the dance floor. He was loving it. His his family and friends were there. So everyone was so happy. So it was just really nice to see everyone in such a good mood and, and celebrate, you know, obviously the career that everyone knows how good he was and what an impact he had for everyone. Teddy, did Marty not know that, it, that the current Tampa Bay Lightning were going to be there? Was that a surprise to him? Uh, I don't think it was a surprise. They were talking. Um, so it was also awesome of Mr. Vinnick, too. The boys flew from uh, Tampa to Buffalo, and all the dorks that weren't invited, they had to get off in <laughs> Buffalo and go to Chippewa Street and eat wings all afternoon. And the guys that like play with Marty flew to Toronto, went to Harbor Six, he had a free meal, went to the event, and then bust back to Buffalo the next night. So – that was Marty was like super happy to see those guys, and obviously it was cool that they uh, they went out of their way to do that. I mean, obviously it was a no brainer, but it was just uh, it was super cool to see all the support that Marty had. Hey, I don't want to be a Buzz Killington here. Uh, did Stevie Y end up going? No, he didn't. That was the first thing I asked too. And then it was like we were kind of laughing too. I guess uh, 
John Cooper went and Marty talked about all his coaches and Cooper was like sitting at this stage, like the, like, you know, little puppy dog, like with his head tilted, like, Oh, and Marty didn't say his name. We were dying laughing. Oh, <laughs> did he forget? Or was he, like, was he was it an accident? Like, was he, was Coop's pissed? Uh, I, think, uh, I definitely don't think it was an accident. Like accidentally on purpose, maybe. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. They, they were, yeah. I, I mean, I respect it. Dude. Remember Jordan's Hall of Fame speech for Christ's sake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got I mean, he wasn't there that long with them. It was just kind of funny. I was like, oh, I was in the crowd, like kind of like pulling my suit collar, like, ooh, whoopsies. Hey, Teddy. what's the f- Teddy? What? Oh, sorry, Biz. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just going to ask what the funniest thing Bugsy Malone did all week. I don't know. Me and Bugsy, we got into it all weekend. We went watch football on Sunday. Um, Saturday we had that. Uh, he rents out this restaurant with all of his family. We go back at six. Next day we show up again. Then after the Hall of Fame, it was actually one of the coolest things ever. Was Marty had a great crew from the when they won, like Brad Richards, Vinny, Freddie Modine, Tim Taylor, Andrew Chuck, um, and me. Bugsy obviously stayed after. I mean, if we're gonna have a hot soap, I'm not missing that. And, uh, you know, Marty was watching it. He was obviously nervous and he was happy after and we were having beers. He was like, had his Hall of Fame jacket on. He was all jacked up too, that he, he got a suit made for it. And he was like, this is the first time in my life the suit was too short for me to get the legs like longer. And he's like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Marty, Marty saw it on TV for the first time. Like after it was obviously we're in Canada. So it was all over TSN or whatever, Sportsnet. And just to see him like watch himself on TV, like we were all, I mean, it's four in the morning, but it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see. I was just not pretty like honored and humble just for him to even think about me and invite me to such a big event. Teddy, we, uh, <laughs> We always used to laugh on the golf trip. We'd be like, look at these guys we're hanging out with. Zettenberg over there, Madonna over there. So I can't imagine when you were walking around the Hall of Fame speech night, Larry Robinson, Scott Niedermeyer, just like left and right, just seeing Hall of Famers. Lanny McDonald, were you, you get any stories or any chats with any of the legends? Yeah, like, so the first night we get there, uh, I check in at the hotel and everyone's just kind of hanging out the lobby. And obviously Toronto's a good city, but you're there for when you're a good friend's Hall of Fame thing. So you just want to try to soak up as much as you can. So I'm not like going out to the bar, like with my friends that I have there or whatever. And um, Come in, like met Marty Barrera through the uh, Team Canada, a little bit of the Olympic stuff leading up to the Olympics last year. He was like assistant GM. He comes up, he's like, hey, Teddy, what's up? I'm like rubbing shoulders with these guys. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like I'm the biggest pigeon ever. Uh, Lanny McDonald comes over and he's like talking to the boys. He's just crushing red wine. He's got red wine all in his white duster. I was dying laughing. I like wanted to send a picture to my dad, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, then the same thing. Like, so what happens at the hall of fame thing is like, I was putting on my Instagram too. And like, this, it's funny. Like some fans in like LA or wherever, they're obviously not that good of fans or thought that I was cool, but didn't realize how much I suck. So I was like putting it on my Instagram, like, and I also have, I have fucking eight followers too, which is even funnier, but I'm putting it on there like, oh, it's such an honor to go in the Hall of Fame. Like, I'm right at home. Thanks for having me. And they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, congrats on such a big night. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so we go there and they have a, like a, a bar all over the place. So the guys are just mingling. It's great. You see like old coaches. You had like, I saw Stumpy Thomas. I'm talking to him. He's an awesome dude. And Sean Burke, um, 
you know, the other GMs are there, other players you played against. So you're just kind of like catching up and uh, talking to guys. Then I happen to be downstairs and I'm like, Marty, after the Hall of Fame, they all go down and like sign this book. It's like when you get married, you sign the official paper or you're going to the hall. So everyone else went up to like this private room where all like the guys' pictures of their heads are like actually in the Hall of Fame room, but they turned that into a bar. So it's like a party for like just the guys that are inducted in their close family. So I was like downstairs mingling and like the security guard had to come find me because I couldn't get up there and no one let me in. So I was like, obviously the pigeon that I was, but I was like downstairs, open bar. I'm fucking mingling. I'm having a great time. I'm like, I don't want this night to end. So then all of a sudden, like the bagpipes come on and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So I'm trying to get upstairs. And all of a sudden, it's every NHL or Hall of Famer that's there. So it's Dominic Hasek, Pat LaFontaine, Dave Anderchuk, Marty, Gretzky, Paul Coffey, Adam Oates, Cam Neely. And I'm like, Luke Robitaille. I'm like, oh, hey, boys. Like, what's going on? Get the fuck out of here. Like, oh, my God. That's quite the list. No, I know. That's really, it was unbelievable. It was really cool to see. Like, I can't imagine how like exciting it was for, for the guys that are actually going in the hall. But even just for the fans and like, a fan like me, too, that actually played and played against some of these guys, I was like, wow, this is actually really fucking cool to, to witness this. Hey, did you get to have a conversation with Hasek? I didn't. I said hi to him, and he fuck. I think he, like, walked the other way. Hey, Dominic. Oh, hey, baby. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's like, yeah, I'll take another glass of Camus, sir. You're like, oh, okay, I'll go get it. Be yeah. right back. I know. I looked like an Uber driver. It was a black tie event. I had a dark suit. They're like, ah, oh, no, I didn't call an Uber. Well, that's why they didn't trust you. <laughs> I know. Wearing a wire. <laughs> Yeah, so Teddy, rough. um, so give us a little bit more of how things are going. You're working with Adam Oates, who uh, I think people loved his interview. Thank you for helping us set that up. But how's how's everything going with you? Everything's good, man. I uh, I actually came home to Newfoundland um, after Marty's thing. I haven't been home in a year and a half. OT like gave me ten minutes off of not talking hockey, so it was nice of him. <laughs> um. But uh, that was actually pretty cool, too. I didn't really know what I was going to do this summer after coming back from uh, the nightmare in Russia. And he was out in L.A. training uh, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And he came to me and he was like, hey, man, I know you kind of you had me as a coach and you worked, I worked for you when you were playing. How do you feel about working for me? I was like, I don't really know what I think about it, but, um, you know, let me see. And. It's actually it's awesome because he's a great dude. We get along so well. He's hilarious, as you guys know. He's, like, witty and that dry sense of humor. Um, obviously, his hockey IQ is off the chart. So it, it, I still learn a lot. I actually feel like I'm a better player and know more about hockey now that I'm done and making no money than when I actually played. So I'm actually a little sour about that. But it's cool to still talk to the guys and, and be around it and still watch. And, and you're involved a little bit. And we travel to some good cities and we see the guys. So I think it's a, a really good balance for me right now. Teddy, we saw he, he signed um well, basically a contract with the Kings a couple weeks ago, but the press release didn't really offer a lot of details. Now, how is that still going to work where if he's working with the Kings, is he still going to be allowed to work with players on other teams or did the Kings make him put some sort of language in the contract? You know anything about that or would you rather not, <laughs> would you rather not say? No, I mean, no, he, he, he's open about it too. And, um, there's, there's no big secret behind it is he's an independent contractor now. So it's not like he's going in and, and telling systems and, uh, you know, talking about other, other players with who he's working with to the Kings. Um, I think they want some help on the power play and some offensive zone, you know, kind of just a different voice, a different hockey mind. And 
um, from you guys talking to him and everyone knows his career, he's got some uh, pretty good ideas that work for him. And um, so I think for now it's, it, it's a good balance for him where he can, you know, help them out and still work with his players on the side. So um, it's a good fit so far. Uh, Teddy, I want to ask you this. How thankful are you for this job? Because it kind of, I wouldn't say it came out of nowhere, but like when you retire, man, it's difficult. You, 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 sometimes you just find yourself in, in, a, in, a, in a rut. No, for sure. And uh, like the last time I talked to you guys, I was obviously so happy to come back for Russia. I really can give a shit. I, I would have shoveled shit for a year. Like I was that happy. I was just smiling and didn't care about anything. But like you said, it, it does uh, set in, like reality sets in. You're like, okay, what am I going to do now? And it did. It kind of fell in my lap. And then um, the, the Kings approached me too. Of, I'm just doing some like – TV stuff like I'm going to do like 15 episodes this year with some of the guys so it's good that I think when you're a player and and Witt and Biz both of you guys know this that when you're a good guy and you don't burn bridges yeah coaches hate us because we all sucked and we fooled the league and and made more money than we should have that uh people like if you're a good guy people will come back to you and and circle back and they want to work with guys that are kind of fun to be around and, and good dudes so I think that was kind of the situation there and it's keeping me busy and instead of drinking 15 times a week. Now I just drink seven. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Who, hey, who's, who's been your funnest player to work with so far in your new role? Um, I think that, uh, that's a tough question. Cause I like talk to all the guys too a little bit and um, yeah, well, just maybe really... even the, maybe even like the biggest no, no, project. I... Like where you think that you can really <laughs> help this person? Oh yeah, that'll that'll really help the guys. That that'll go over well. That's, that's like winning the most improved. Hey, you suck, but you still suck. We're getting a little bit better. <laughs> okay, so can we just uh, all no, agree I, I, I on a no, no, question? I'm actually uh, so I, I worked out with Mark Shifley in in Toronto uh, years back, and uh, I always knew he was a good player. I didn't realize he was going to be like a. He's arguably like a top ten player. Would you guys say? Yeah, yeah, I'd say top 20 for sure. Yeah, what, whatever the number is. But um, just to see how dedicated he is and uh, how much he loves, like, learning from OT and how, like, fired, fired up he gets. Um, I, I know. I've just been impressed by that. So, I, I, I would say Shrive. Give Shrive. He needs a little confidence. So, I'm trying to help him. He's got kind of bad haircuts and his style's, like, getting a little better. So, I'd like to give Shrive a little chiclet bump. Hey, uh and uh wit i actually got to spend some time with him he's a fucking great kid he's got a good personality um i would consider him in like the hockey nerd category where he ain't going out every night having beers with the boys but uh nonetheless like just a a great personality uh and does he not have a a nutritionist where he's broken it down where he knows exactly what he needs to eat at each time of the day and exactly what is going to help his body succeed and what his like his body would be allergic to or is that is it that intense uh, yeah i mean i think winnipeg too like the restaurants are limited so uh like i was up there before their training camp and like wheels has like a chef who we went over there. the meal is unbelievable so i think shife got on that board too with like getting a chef and just ha- i know when you're so rich too like you have a chef around you you know you're going to eat well you don't have to go out and deal with the cold and fans if you play bad like all that bullshit so it's just like convenient and easy for them and then i think he you knows he's a little bit on the obviously with the tom brady coming out with all that stuff too he was just kind of interested in it so i think he went out and got 
I don't think he's as crazy as Brady, but he's just kind of seeing what he responds to well. And obviously his body feels good. He's knocked on wood. He's been pretty healthy the last few years. Obviously he's been a stud in the game and a difference maker every game. So you got to tip your cap. Like whatever he's doing is working and might as well stick with it. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Teddy, uh, before we let you go, um, did you end up getting all the money you were owed from Russia? No, I didn't. I, I, they, I didn't get a hundred grand and unbelievable. I know. Then now we're talking about like, so they say they pay for your gear. I'm like, okay. I went over there with like skates that I had in LA and then the miners my last year pro. And I was just like sulking around. I was like, I'm not even a good skater anyways. My ankles are so weak. And like these skates were like paper bags. And then I had no, I was using like old sticks that were like four months old, but I didn't get, I didn't care. I'm like, I'm in Russia. Who gives a shit? And so we had in the play. I was there for like four. I was there for four months, and right before the playoffs, I get a new pair of skates and like thirty-four sticks. I'm like, and I left all my gear there anyways. And the guy was like, "Oh yeah, you owe me eight thousand. Like, and and they said they were gonna pay for my parents' flight that was in the contract and my flights back and forth. So that's probably another twenty grand. Sort of police oh, me, but fuck those guys. Well, Teddy, before yeah, we let you go. Is is there anything else you want to talk about that you were expecting us to ask you? Oh, that was good. I mean, Marty might be a little bit bad. I mean, like I said, we stayed up, we stayed up till seven watching, uh, talking about hockey and life. But you know, it was good to see him smile so much, and and those guys must have had so much fun when they won the cup. And just to you know see Vinny and and obviously set the tone, Bugsy Malone. Um, yeah. Was was really cool. I'm just thankful that Marty, uh, like I said earlier, thought about me to, to invite him. You know, we, we we did play together for five years, but I didn't make him better in his career. Obviously, Vinny, Richie, Stammer, these guys. But for him to think of me, that uh, he obviously thinks of me as an okay guy. So that was uh, something I'll always remember. It's almost like your first NHL goal. I'm like at the Hall of Fame. Like, this is fucking awesome. Hey, last question. Was, yeah. Bugsy, was Bugsy Malone still scooping ice at a guy's drinks? Yeah, he was. I already that, asked that. Like, I know. It's so stupid, too. It's like you're, you're talking to someone. Like, I'm talking to Dave Andertruck, or you're talking to a Hall of Famer, and Bugsy, like, <laughs> dips his hand in your drink when you're not looking and giggles. He's like, ooh, no ice. You got a chug. Like, who comes up with that rule? That's like borderline, like, serial killer shit. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, Mr. Hey. Andertruck. I got to chug this. <laughs> hey, all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, hey, Gary. Chug it down. Come on, <laughs> There ain't no ice left in that drink. Eddie, <laughs> you see that? I got Gary. Uh, no, Gary's at the Hall of Fame. He had a pair of Skechers on, too. It's kind of hard to see. What? Come, Come on. Oh, uh, dude. All right, buddy. You, you're the best, man. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to hopefully, uh, if, you, if you will, come back on in, in you know, a month or two. We'd love catching up with you. Hey, boy. Thanks for having me. Love listening. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Teddy. Love you, Teddy. Bye-bye. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply.
Big thanks again to our buddy, Teddy Purcell, another appearance on the show. So he's officially a, a recurring guest. He's always a fun time. Uh, yeah, we mentioned the trade that happened Wednesday. Uh, to me, it kind of reeks of uh, I want to wake my fucking team up trade. Uh, GM Jim Rutherford sent Carl Hagelin to L.A. for uh, Tanner Pearson. Uh, not a blockbuster of a trade, but certainly two guys who've been struggling this year, uh, both getting a change of scenery. Uh, let's see, Hagelin is a pending UFA, so if the Kings don't manage to become a contender for the rest of the season, uh, he could potentially be on the move again. He's 30 years old. He's in his eighth season. He's a $4 million cap hit. Uh, he's been a struggle so far this season. One goal, two assists. Uh, he did win the two Cups with Pittsburgh in 16 and 17. Tiana Pearson, uh, Pittsburgh's getting a guy four years younger. He's only 26. He's in the second year of a pretty team-friendly four-year, $15 million deal, uh, three seven five million average hit. Uh, but he's only has, he only has one assist thus far. He also won a cup as a rookie back in 14. Um, again, guys, I think this is two guys who are struggling. Uh, I think the Penguins, maybe Rutherford is just trying to tell his locker room, hey, you know, you guys got to wake up or, or somebody else could be next. What's your take, Wits? Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, analysis by you. Thank you. Listen, this is something where this is something where sometimes both teams need a change and players need a change. So Tanner Pearson, Biz, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about him because you were in LA's organization. He was awesome when they won the when he won the Stanley Cup. I mean, he was fly. He played with Jeff, I feel like he played with Jeff Carter a lot. And he, you know, he has good wheels. He could score. He was, he was, he, he wasn't soft player at all. He seemed hard to play against. I was shocked when I saw these zero goals, one assist right now. And then same with Hagelin. He had a slow start. He had a good run. He was a big part of those championship teams. But all right, let's let similar salaries. Let's do a swap here. Pittsburgh kept 250k, I think, annually or this year to make it an even cap hit for LA because Hagelin's making a little bit more money. But all, Pearson's also signed, I think, for two more years after this one. I, I believe that that's the number. So he all of a sudden goes over. Imagine he gets a chance with Crosby or Malkin. I could see him, first of all, hearing the news he's getting traded. It's always shocking the first time, so he's probably a little upset. He's got some amazing memories being a king. But then right after that, holy shit, have you ever heard of Ryan Whitney? That guy made $24 million playing with Crosby. What am I going to do with a chance of playing with this guy? This is incredible. I, I, and he's probably fired up right now. And even if it's Malkin, I could see him really stepping up and having some big games and a rest of a big season for Pittsburgh. And I also like Hagelin's game. He's quick, and he makes the Kings a lot faster than they are. Although Pearson's not slow either. So we'll see. Yeah, Witt, great points. I look at this one on, on a bigger scale than, let's say, a Max Domi for Galchenyuk trade for the simple fact that I'm shocked at the lack of offensive output uh, through these two guys. Uh, quick note, R.A., um, Pittsburgh will be eating $250,000 of Hagelin's salary to even it off at 3.75, which is Pearson's salary for this year, next year, and next year after that. Witt, you mentioned that he's uh, signed for two more years. Classic case of both these guys need a change of scenery. Let's see if it works out. Yep. I, I don't mind the gamble by Pittsburgh at all. Uh, it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting because I don't think anyone heard anything of this before today. And then, all, well, sorry, yesterday, Wednesday is when we're recording. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be good. And, and uh, I, I think it's going to wake Pearson up for sure. Uh, as far as L.A., it looks like they're kind of headed towards a little bit of a rebuild, just trying to dish some salary. Uh, people are commenting that it is to open up some cap space in order to re-sign Drew Doughty. 
So, so who knows? Uh, I, I wish them both the best. And uh, you mentioned it, man. A, a lot of memories for Pearson and Haglin in, in both of their respective cities. Also, boys, um, we also should mention Jim Rutherford signed, a, I believe, a three-year extension with the Penguins. Um, but he's not happy right now. He had made some uh, comments uh, out in the public and the media about, you know, he's not happy with the way they're playing and not happy how the season's going. So to make a trade, that's the first that's the first step, trying to get the guys going, because it's it's surprising to see. I mean, Jersey was playing, wasn't playing well at all, and Pittsburgh got dominated by them. Or not dominated, but they lost to Jersey. Halsey, four points. Shout out to that beast. Bum. So, uh, Pittsburgh's got to figure it out a little bit. I'll tell you, if I'm an L.A. Kings fan, Biz, I'm asking, why did they make this deal? Like, you know, did they make the team better for now or for the future? I mean, you, you did reference it's, uh, it could eventually be a salary dump because Haglin's money is going to come off the books. That's if they even keep him for the rest of the year. But if I'm a Kings fan, man, I, I'm fucking scratching my head right now. And uh, which, yeah, you mentioned Rutherford. He signed through 2022. Uh, and one other note regarding the Penguins, Sid did miss practice uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, they said upper body. Hopefully it's it's nothing long-term because, you know, we like we want to have uh, one of the best players in the game constantly playing. I, uh, we, we didn't talk about this, too. Uh, I love the Pens organization. I love the city. Their, their Twitter and social media, though, with the fans is absolutely fucking banana lands. I would put it up there with uh, probably Vancouver as far as the crazies. They are ruthless. Jim Rutherford brought them two Stanley Cups back-to-back. Now, because they've had a slow start, and every time they've had issues, he's went out and addressed it and, for the most part, been very successful with it. And I've been reading on Twitter today that they want his head on a platter, and I'm thinking, but they still got, I would say, a solid three- to four-year window with, of course, the, the core pieces they have in place. Let him shake it up a little bit as he's done in the past and had success, when things don't go right, then you can judge him. Last year, Christ, they, they, they ran into a hot Washington team. Finally, they ended up losing to him. Of course, Penguins uh, Twitter reacts like, like maniacs. Let's see what they can do in the next three, three years. You know, Rutherford has a pretty good resume. He's done a lot for that organization. Chill the fuck out. Also, Biz, we gotta, we gotta remember we're, we're uh, our podcast is popular in Pittsburgh. The the Yinzers are spitting chicklets fans, and I think that Twitter is the it's fake world. It's a small fake fake reality people live in. So most of the Penguins fans, I think you ask them, and they 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 are very happy with Jim Rutherford, and they have trust in him. We just hear this weird culture creepo Twitter group that we sometimes think is like real life. Oh, that's true. Yeah, my bad. So just uh, maybe erase everything I just said, Grinnell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I compare Penn, Penn's fans to like Patriots fans' wits. Like they, 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 they almost fucking take for granted what they have. They've got titles. They've got a contender every year, and, and they still want to bitch about shit. There's definitely some similarities there. I will say, I will say to back up Biz's point here, I mean, we, out, of, out of all the feedback we get on social media, out of all the negative feedback we get on social media, a lot of it's from Pittsburgh fans. They're, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're spoiled, buddy. They don't know they got it. Good. Just do they not remember me snapping it tape to tape for a couple <laughs> seasons there? I, you think the dark times are behind them, but I guess not. And and boys, let's not uh, forget maybe why this trade happened. Of course, the the, the struggles offensively and the, and Pittsburgh not doing well. But let's talk about this metropolitan division in general. Holy shit! Who the fuck would have guessed where 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 it would be? <laughs> almost a quarter into the season with the, with the one, two, and three. 
We got Columbus leading the way. We got the Islanders in second and then the Rangers in third place in that division. Of course, it's still early. Of course, that's going to get shooken up. But, I mean, let's uh, – you guys want to start it at the top with Columbus? Yeah, I mean, Columbus was a playoff team last year. I, I think uh, because the, they didn't have a, a good showing last year, people might not be taking them too serious. But uh, it's no surprise they're doing what they're doing. They, they got a pretty good squad there. But the Islanders, man, I think everybody wrote them off. Frankie Borelli was practically hanging off the fucking Verrazano Bridge when, when Tavares left for Toronto. But – uh, I think we've seen this before with teams. They lose a guy, and it, and it kind of galvanizes a team. They rally against it. Uh, and, again, Biz, like you said, it is early, but this division looks upside down right now. I mean, it's it's not doing what, what we expected it to do. Uh, the Devils, I, I get the kind of – they started off a little hotter. They've been struggling a bit, a bit as of late. But, yeah, you know, Jersey – you're reading it backwards. Jersey, Pittsburgh's in second to last place. Uh, Carolina started hot. They've cooled off. I think it's also important to know, too, how close these teams are. I mean, all these te- – a guy, a team in fucking sixth place is only four points behind, like, the first place team. So, you know, a, a quick streak of winning or losing can easily flip these the, flip the division quick. But uh, it, it's early. It's I think, you know, things might level off uh, at some point. But the Capitals, too, they, they look like they might have a little bit of a championship hangover. You think, you think about that, Biz? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to hear Witt's thoughts on the top three right now. Yeah, uh, all right, not to not to call you out, even though I love doing it. Um, Columbus, they lost in the first round, but they were up 2-0 and went to double overtime at game three against Washington. So I know you're, you're probably right that not getting to the second round is considered a failure, but they, they played Washington as, as hard as anyone else in the playoffs did. So – you knew coming into this year that they'd be a team that would be dangerous, especially with Panera, and he's so nasty, and I don't know if he's going to resign there. It sucks if you're a Blue Jackets fan right now. But then you look at the Islanders team. I was so – I mean, I was wrong about all of them, shocker. Uh, but I can't – the Islanders this, – this goes to show Barry Trotz is a good coach, man. He, I mean, he obviously – everywhere he's been, he's had good teams, whether it was Nashville – the Capitals are, are right now the way that the Islanders are playing. Thomas Grice has been phenomenal. But the forwards up front, I mean, they, they lost one of, the, one of the top players in the league and everyone, everyone said they'd be shit. Maybe they used that as a little bit of a rallying cry. Sometimes I think that's a little overrated in pro sports. But you never know. And they've looked, they've looked awesome. And now they're going to start playing a few games back at the Nassau Coliseum. That place is going to be rocking. Uh, the atmosphere has always been just shit in Brooklyn. So... Uh, and then the Rangers, shout out to David Quinn, man rocket, hottest coach in the league. Thank you very much. Obviously, he went to BU, uh, went to BU, former coach at BU. And the Rangers had a tough start. They did not look good. Uh, some some weird, healthy scratches going on there of some veteran players. And they've turned things around. Lundquist, uh, father time, he's just still kicking with the best of them. And so that team's really flying. And also, our boy Kevin Hayes has looked great lately. Shout out to our boy. Actually, I feel like one of the fa- our uh, most favorite guests by the people who listen. I think they love listening to Hayes, especially when he's with KY. So, good for all these teams. It's, it's very surprising to see. I think, Washington, I think Washington getting Tom Wilson back is a huge addition for them. He plays on that first line. He's a motherfucker out there. Uh, he's faster than people think. So, and he's not going to change the way he's playing. He's got to stop with the hits, but they'll pick it up. But it's definitely great to see the parity. I think it's a good thing for the league. I'm wondering if you agree with me or not on that, Biz. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to start at the, at the top. I'm going, to, I'm going to come back to Columbus. But uh, you, you, you touched on the Islanders. Uh, 
I might get smothered for this comment, but I feel like they're this year's Las Vegas Golden Knights, and I'm going to tell you why. They got they got trots, much like Gallant, a coach very well respected, uh, very well liked by his team. He gets in there, new system. They've tightened things up a lot defensively compared to last year because we knew they had some offensive weapons because they were getting it done offensively. Um, they their goaltender has been unbelievable. I'll let Ra uh, uh, take the goaltending stats right now. If you got Thomas Grice, if you can pull him up when I'm finished here. But uh, I just feel like the team in general has that us against the world mentality. Uh, they're like the NHL outcasts, much like Las Vegas was coming in the last year. Uh, they lose Tavares. Uh, you know, Eberly wasn't wanted in Edmonton, goes, goes to uh, New York, has success there. He's had a good start to the season again. Phil Pula, who kind of got moved around a little bit after Tampa Bay. Andrew Ladd, who everyone criticized for getting a ridiculous contract. He's been solid for them. Uh, Leo Komarov, who people thought in Toronto – was done. He goes over to the island. He's been solid for them as well. I mean, Matt Martin, he's only played 11 games. He came over from the Leafs as well. He's had three big goals for them. Um, and another thing uh, I want to mention is I'm still waiting for Matt Barzell to pop off even a little bit more. He's second on their team in scoring right now. It is difficult for a guy like that in his second year. All of a sudden, the big boy Tavares has gone to Toronto. Now he's got those first-line uh, matchups, which makes it more difficult on him facing better defensemen on a nightly basis. Uh, currently right now, to his shooting percentage is at 7.1%, which is bound to even out. Last year, he finished at 12.1%. I know he's not known for his goal scoring. He's more of a setup guy. Uh, currently only two goals this year. I believe that that's going to uh, scale up. 14 assists, of course. Uh, did you have those goalie night numbers for Grice? Because he's been lights out, R.A. Got him right here, brother. Um, he started uh, eight games so far, 5-2-1 record with a 1.98 goals against and a, a .938 save percentage with one shutout. He's a guy who was, you know, a bit of a, no, I wouldn't say no, journeyman backup. He was with a few different teams. He never really got an opportunity to start. Uh, he got that in the Islanders, and it looks like he might he might be a number one uh, in in hiding. Who's been you know kind of never really got a good shot at. He was always backing guys up, but uh, if he can maintain this pace, then then the fucking sky might be the limit for the Isles this year. Absolutely, and then and then moving on to Columbus, of course, who are leading the division right now. I guess the reason I'm so surprised they're in the position right now is because Bobrovsky had a horrendous start to the season. Uh, he's finally caught stride uh, in his last five games. He's only allowed more than one goal. Um, um, in one of the five starts. In all those other games, he's only allowed one goal, which is remarkable. Uh, so obviously with him catching stride, the obvious Panarin, we talked about him last week. He's fucking filthy. One of the most ridiculous trades in recent memory. Uh, currently that Columbus team has 11 players with nine or more points. Uh, Panarin, of course, leading the way. And then their one-two punch on the back end of Seth Jones and Warinsky. Uh, Seth Jones has only played 11 games, too. He missed seven to start the year with injury, but he's already got nine points. Wierenski's got 11. So ultimately, they have everyone pulling the rope there. They're coached well. So uh, I guess not as big a surprise as as everyone thought, but that metropo- metropolitan division in general. And then, of course, uh, in third right now is, is New York, who everyone thought was going to go through a rebuild, but they've been very impressive. Um, the, hey, I mean, go ahead. Yep. Let's not forget, I'm going to bring his name up every time we, we hear it throughout the podcast. Zach Wierenski, Grinelli, 
I think he slept through one of the interviews he said he'd give us. We went back when we were little logs, getting just these little mice that we're now even afraid of on RA's couch. He probably had a couple living in there himself. When we hey, were hey, little hey. mom and pop, oh. little mom and pop shop uh, podcast, Wierenski said, yeah, I'll come on and just slept right through it. So he just never answered. You owe us. You owe us. You know, now people are going to be texting you. Did you hear about Wit? He called you out. You slept through his podcast. They didn't appreciate it. So, Wierenski, please, please, come on, help the fellas out here. Yeah, and, and bring Seth Jones while you're at it. So uh, now we're going to be bullying guys <laughs> on, on, uh, into interviews. And speaking of interviews, we have Brent Sopel, who was very candid. Uh, we, we heard of some funny stories. We heard, of course, another Babcock story. Ugh, geez, this guy's just getting torched on our pod. So let's throw it off to Brent Sopel. We hope you guys enjoy the interview. This interview is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simple way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite NHL team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. I've had the SeatGeek app on my phone for a long time, and it's by far the easiest way I've had to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere, a couple taps, boom, you find your seats. I just use them again to get my nephew tickets again. The kid's going to bankrupt me with all the tickets and buying them. But boom, you go on, punch a couple buttons in, tells you where the seats are. They, they line up the seats according to the price, whatever is in your budget. You can shop for this one, shop for that one. Saves you time and money by searching all the sites, so you don't have to do that. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets with the full uh, utmost confidence and not worry about some dirtbag running out down behind the garden with all your money because you gave it to some greasy scalper. doesn't happen like that. Every ticket is great based on a budget again, so it fits your budget. You don't want to spend too much. You don't have to. So make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code HOCKEY today. That's promo code HOCKEY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. I am very excited to welcome to the... Spitting Chicklets podcast, a guy that I've never met in person, but heard a lot of great things about. He has some wonderful stories to talk about through his NHL career, his junior career, and of course, some Russian gas stories from his time in the KHL. He's, uh, he's went through some difficulty in his life, a very open guy, and he's going to talk about it. We're going to rent, welcome to the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Brent Sopel, 700, or sorry, 659 NHL games. Uh, drafted in the sixth round of the 1995 NHL entry draft by the Vancouver Canucks. What a city. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. I appreciate that. Just let me know where to send that check for, uh, you know, for that intro. <laughs> I'll send you a Venmo request for some dough. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, he tried adding 100 me, games. He, he tried adding 100 games. He was looking for a little extra cash. <laughs> yeah, you know, he knows how it is. You know, can't blame a smart man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, like, hey, let's let's start at the beginning. You were a Western League guy, so obviously you've probably fucking you know crushing guys, throwing both hands, seeing girls strip, riding along your bus, the old junior show. 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. The rookie parties. I mean, rookies in the bed naked in uh, in the bus of uh, you know the seven hour bus ride and see who comes out with the clothes on. Well, I mean, you started in Saskatoon, and uh, I mean, were, were you drafted there in junior? No, I was from uh, you know I was from Saskatoon, and uh, you know they saw me and they're like, oh, I mean, you know, I might take a shot at this guy. He can't skate. You know, he's the slowest guy in the league, but. Uh, uh, as I think I was playing mid to triple A, so they brought me up a few times. Uh, I ended up getting, you know, getting lucky sticking there, and then I uh, got traded off to uh, Speedy Creek, the uh, uh, home of, uh, you know, Graham James, you know, the, the, the pedophile that needs to be uh, put behind bars for, you know, for life. Yeah, oh, wow. So, guy. yeah, fuck him for, for real. So, yeah. so you, uh, you got discovered and kind of walked on with Saskatoon with the Blades and, and, Played there a little bit in 93, 94, a little bit more in 94, 95. And then in uh, 94, 95, you, got, you said traded to Swift Current where you, where you pretty much finished the rest of that season. Yeah, correct. You know, it just it was two and a half hours down the, down the road in uh, beautiful God's country in Saskatchewan, as we like to call it. Uh, you know, uh, as a young kid, uh, getting traded from, uh, from home. You know, got a little homesick early, but, uh, you know, found the ropes, found, uh, you know, found the local bars, uh, found the local high school girls. So, you know, I was all set pretty quick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, let's see, you get drafted uh, 95. What, now, you said you, you were a terrible skater. What kind of th- like things did you have to work on, Brent, to, like, improve your game that you were able to go from barely playing to getting drafted in the sixth round of the NHL? You know, honestly, you know, my skating was always, you know, you can ask both, both these guys, uh, Biz and Wit, you know, I was rated probably the slowest, uh, you know, I was never, never the strongest skater. So that, that was, you know, that was a big thing. I came in the league offensive defenseman, um, back in the day, thank God, you know, we had the, the hang on, we had the water skiing, you know, we could hook anybody. So, um, you know, I came in the right time where I was doing a heck of a lot of that, but you know, it was, uh, I got lucky, had some skill, um, uh, but it was more of, uh, had, had more of a work ethic than, than anything. Yeah, I mean, back then, the you know, f- skating wasn't really the focus. They were more concerned on whether the guy was over six feet and he, he could fight a little bit. That was more important than the skating aspect. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in the Western League, you know, you had to have at least nine tough guys, on, you know, on each team. There's at least, you know, one bench-clearing brawl uh, a year and at least, a, you know, line brawl every other game. So um, you, had to, you, know, you had to be tough. And, you know, skill and skating wasn't really like, too much of a concern. So we talked about this a few podcasts ago. Were you still in the WHL when they made uh, the teams warm up separately? Yeah, that's when I was, uh, uh, I was you know, in the WHL at that point in time. Um, you know, we'd be out there, I think it's like 45 minutes before we have the full ice. There's 20 of us whipping around like idiots uh, on this full ice, um, you know, when you're the visiting team. Then finally, you know, they woke up and did the half ice. Um, you know, halfway through my WHL career. So, Brent, um, you spent some time in the minors, right? I mean, you're grinding it out in the always hungry league, as we call it. Was there a moment when you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it as a regular NHLer, or the whole time were you thinking, I'll get there at some point? What's kind of the mind, mindset as you're playing two, three, four years in the minors? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because – you know, I never thought I, you know, would ever make it up. I think that it was my uh, third or fourth training camp. I mean, I'm in Ottawa, and, uh, you know, we play an exhibition game, and Mark Crawford is the coach at this point in time. You know, he pulls me in. He's like, you know what, Soaps, 
um, you know, we're sending it down, you know, you're a pussy, you don't fight, you don't hit, you don't skate, you? you don't pass, you don't shit. Yeah, I swear to God. And, that, and he's like, you're a pussy, you do fucking nothing out here. So we're sending you to the minors. No shit. Coaches are so fucking ruthless. Like- yeah, he says, he says, you're terrible. You do nothing. You don't shoot hard. You don't skate hard. You don't pass hard. You do absolutely nothing. You're, uh, you have no hope of an NHL career. So, uh, you know, you're heading off to the minors. And uh, see you later. Said no hope, no joke. Don't even <laughs> no, 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 no joke. Wow. And so, you know, at that point in time, I'm like, huh, you know, I guess I'm going to go on Syracuse. I'm going to have a career, be a career minor year. And, <laughs> you know, that was it. So uh, I thought, you know, NHL was, was no hope after that meeting. What year was that? Because, I mean, you, you had a pretty decent year in, in 97, 98 offensively uh, with 10 goals, 33 assists for 43 points in Syracuse, where you spent most of your time in the AHL. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was the next year. Uh, it was that same year I got sent down. I got called back up, you know, in February. I ended up, you know, I had a – I think it was a 10-game point streak, and things were, things were going well. It was right around Valentine's Day. I got a call back saying, you know, coach calls me and said, you're going up. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, is it April Fool's? I already, you know, I already know Crow hates me. So, you know, ha ha ha, where's the joke? Where the cameras and all like, you know, he's like, seriously, you've been playing well. So I went up to, went up to Vancouver and, and I never came back. So when you showed up, were you like, uh, hey, uh, Crow, uh, is like this cool? Or do you know about this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's I'm like, you know, Crow, you know, you and our best friends, we end up, you know, Crow and I have the probably the biggest uh, love hate relationship. We had more fucky matches in the dressing room than on and on the bench than, you know, than I've ever heard. Um, you know, he came after me all the time. Is it so true? He, uh, uh, I, I was always told Mark Crawford would go up and down the bench and just kick guys, kick them right in the back. Kick me, he choked me, he grabbed the back of my jersey and. and just neck, you know, pull you back. So, you know, oh yeah, he attacked guys personally. You know, he came up one year, you know, after the season. Um, he's like, so, you know, you need to work hard. You know, you need to get, you know, 15, 20 pounds. So, you know, left there, went right, right home, hit the diet, hit the weights, you know, put on 20 pounds of muscle. And I come back here and he's yelling at the bench, what are you fucking Hercules now? Are you turning green? Are you Hulk? Just screaming at me, suspended me for, uh, I think it was like six weeks, wouldn't let me play, only practice, bag skated me, and I had to step on a scale every single day uh, to see what my weight lost before he'd let me play. Oh, geez. I've heard numerous <laughs> stories about him playing uh, mind games with guys. Uh, uh, like, so all, all in all, though, like if you saw him now, would you talk to him or would you, would you have a, a normal conversation or you kind of hate his guts? No, you know what, uh, some of the things he said, um, yeah, you know, fuck you. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he, could, he kept putting me out there. And, uh, you know, I probably played, you know, you know, almost probably close to 500 games in my career or it was with, a, you know, for him, I should say. So as much as I hated him and, you know, for whatever, he had something that he liked me. So back to the love-hate relationship, you know, I'd, I'd definitely say I had him and say, you know, you're an asshole sometimes for sure. Did Brent? Did any guys ever take a poke at him? I mean, he's in there and they kicking him and choking him and getting in their faces. Did any guys ever lose their shit and try to take a swing at him? You know, nobody took a swing at him. Um, but there's a lot of guys that wouldn't say anything. You know, I like I said, I'd have fuck you matches. You know, I'll never forget in L.A. You know, I fucked up. You know, Eagle. 
he comes back in and he's like, you fucking face the media. I'm like, fuck you. I'll face the media. I can bring him in front of my, you know, right in front of the dressing room in front of everybody. You know, I just gave it right back to him. So there's a lot of, nobody took a swing, but there's a lot of guys that would just take it. You know, uh, I only took so much of it. Did guys in the room give him shit, well, whether to his face or about, about how well manicured his hair was all the time? It seems like that's something guys would give him shit about. Oh, fucking, you know, just for men. He always knew when he had a good dye job. You know, he, he, those sideburns were nice and nice and painted black. So, you know, we always we always chirped him. But, uh, you know, he wasn't afraid to, to get in everybody's face. So I'm gonna. It's a two part question here. I want to talk about your time in Kansas City because I've I've uh, Pittsburgh was supposed to move there when when you were playing there. Right? Remember there was all those rumors because they had an arena built. Yeah, before, before Crosby, that, came, yeah. before they got Crosby. Thank you, Sid. I I think that's pretty much what uh, changed everything. But uh, as far as Crawford's concerned, I heard he was the type of guy though when you came back at him that's when all of a sudden he would respect you and you'd, you'd kind of be one of his boys, kind of like Keenan was. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I, I think I'd have to agree with you because I came back at him all the time. And like you said, you know, I was down in Kansas City. Um, you know, that was one of those stints where he was, he was bag skating me and wasn't letting me play. So they, they sent me down, you know, they're going to send me down on one of those, uh, you know, two-week conditioning stints that they, they used to do to guys. I ended up going to Kansas City playing two games, and somebody got hurt, you know, uh, you know, thank God you never want anybody to get hurt. But if you're a guy that's, uh, you know, is getting bag skated every day and you guys know you're not in the lineup, you, you know, you need to get somebody hurt uh, to get back in. So Casey, I had a great 48 hours while I was in Kansas city. <laughs> hey, so we, we, I'm looking, I'm kind of going through the hockey DB. So 2005, 2006, the year after the lockout, you signed with the Islanders. Was that a one-year deal? Because that year you got traded to the Kings. You know, that's a, you know, that was a two-year that was a two-year deal. And you know, same thing. You had Mike Miller as the GM. You know, I told him to go fuck himself. So um, we had <laughs> the me, owner. Give me the story yeah, there. Yeah, ba- bad give me the story there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, Charles Charles Wong is the owner at that point in time, and you know he walks in. It's it's a Saturday morning. You know, we're at the hotel um, having pregame before we're getting on the bus and going to, to Jersey for an afternoon game. And he comes in there, he talks, he's starting to talk about, you know, who the hell knows what he's talking about. And he said, I want you to watch the, the movie Cinderella Man. And, you know, write on the DVD what this means to you, and I want you to hand it in. You know, didn't watch it. I wrote nothing, and I put the receipt and asked for my money back. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that went over you know that went over well but uh, um the millberry story is uh you know i had an ex nanny try and you know try and sue me for 26 million dollars you know she tried to uh uh accuse me of all this shit you know i, I ended up being on page six of the daily news you know madonna was in the top half and i was in the bottom half and millberry told me hey just pay this broad off and i said fuck you you know, so uh, he ended up trading me to, yeah. So this yeah. is just some so, random woman at the time that you, or, or like what you were like dating man. her and then. No, no, no. You know, I was, I was married at that time and uh, you know, we'd hired, hired a nanny and, and you know, she was, wasn't happy with her, with her pay. And uh, you know, she said she was doing it for all her, her, her country people. Uh, you know, just, you know, just try to take me, take me for money. But at the end of the day, I told Mildred to fuck off. I'm not paying you. I'm not paying her, and that's why I got traded. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that's going to be a one of a kind reason to be traded in the NHL, huh? <laughs> I mean, 
Melbury had a lot of good reasons to trade guys. Sarcasm in my voice. <laughs> that might uh, fucking take. Well, oh, shucks, Mike. You traded me to the L.A. Kings. Thanks a lot, uh, Rick. Yeah, from the island. Yeah, I don't have to deal with you. I don't have an owner that's telling me to go watch uh, Cinderella Man. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, you don't have uh, essays. You <laughs> get the Coles notes. Were you like, bro? Have you not heard of fucking Gladiator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know that was that was the, you know that's the nightmare of the shit that's been going on for for years in uh, here in Long Island. You know, talk about the why did Tavares leave? Well, because it's been a been a shit show. Gar Snow goes from uh, backup goalie to GM. That'll never happen night. in history again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was you know one year he was my backup. You know when I was on the island, and that's when you know when he went to GM and he was using dirt on guys that were going out in negotiations the next summer. Jesus, what a fucking gong show. Well, now, it all started with the owner, though. It was a little bit of an odd situation. He was like buddies with some of the guys, too. I mean, I know DiPietro was good buddies with him. Just from the top down, just no foundation to that organization, and it was just a gong show for so many years. Yeah, well, that's, you know, Yashin got that $90 million. The DiPietro got the, you know, the 15-year contract. And I remember watching an interview and we were in Toronto. You know, he's on Sportsnet, you know, saying that, you know, everybody knows that uh, Rick DiPietro left a lot of money on the table. What? He got $64 million. I'm not sure what he left on the table other than he played, like, what, 30 games? After getting knocked out by Brent Johnson, but that's uh, that's solid, right? But, you know, exactly. But, you know, back to your point is there was no foundation. It was just a complete shit show. These guys would go to lunch with them, dinner with them, and buddied up with them, and they got millions of dollars. Stupid yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a game plan. Fuck, I should have took that route. Um, and then you roasted them. I know. <laughs> Fuck you, um, And then you, you ended up going back to Vancouver to – finish off that 06 07 season you spent quite a bit of time in vancouver like you you had to have loved it there did you see business documentary no oh shut up don't stir the pot forget about that question let's let's stay on topic what was you know do you read that article with the province uh, you know what was it vancouver canucks for 45 and 0 the, the road team came in two nights before a game Oh, yeah. I mean that makes back. The, okay, so when you were playing there, the Roxy was probably at its peak. Oh, prime, prime Roxy downstairs. Um, nothing better, nowhere better. There's a there's an old saying. I had definitely had my footprint in that place. <laughs> well, there's an old saying: if you if you if you walked out empty-handed, that the, you'd actually have to chop and hand your dick in the next day at the rink. Oh, 100 percent. But the the Roxy was uh, was the easiest. You know, you know, put it on a tee, uh, fishing with dynamite that uh, there's ever been. And then, uh, and then you go over to Chicago, and yeah, man, that's that, what I want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, Whit, go, take the reins, buddy. Take the reins, Whit. I I just I remember you got to Chicago, and you know, you played I think two full years, and then the third year you won the cup. That was it, right? Yeah. So you, it seemed that you fit in perfect there. You know, the role they had you playing. Then the year you won the Cup was just a, a great year for you, especially in the playoffs. What, what, made, what made it such a good fit for you there? How much did you love that city, which I still say is my favorite city in the NHL. So give me a little info into how the, the career started in Chicago and then, you know, leading into how the, the Stanley Cup was won and raised by yourself. Yeah, well, I'll tee this up that, uh, you know, I went, uh, you know, I was unrestricted coming to that year in Vancouver. 
and you know i didn't didn't have a very good year uh you know in la and vancouver so i ended up having to go to detroit on a tryout really and Alan called my agent my out called my agent said you know what you know we're looking for a right-handed defense and to play with nick lindstrom mm. oh yeah sign me up that's a tough so, job <laughs> ian white did yeah, that did for exactly. a year ra could fucking so, do that <laughs> <laughs> anybody can <laughs> so you know we uh i'm like okay you know i go there and uh you know babcock's a coach um which is awesome guys this guy's the greatest coach in history not so you know we're playing <laughs> uh playing some exhibition games um you know kenny holland you know calls my agent said you know what? you know he's playing well we'll give him a, a one-year deal at a million bucks and uh so my agent calls me that morning and actually that morning we were flying to Toronto uh, to play a home and home with Maple Leafs. So I talked to him. I said, you know what, you know, there's a few teams that we're talking to that were give the old uh, same excuse. Oh, we got some young guys, but we want to see, see how they do. You know, every team does it every year. And uh, my agent ended up calling Chicago and Dale Town was the GM at that point in time. And sounds like, you know what, um, you know, we'll offer him a one-year deal. Uh, I think it was like 1.3 million. And, but, you know, I'll guarantee him top four minutes. So, you know, land in Toronto, talk to my agent. Um, he calls me as soon as we land. And I'm like, you know what? I said, I'll take that deal. I said, you know, if he's going to guarantee me top four minutes, I said, here in Detroit, um, you know, I'm competing with Chelios. Guess what? Guess who's going to win? I said, I'm not going to play very many games. I may win the cup, but after that, my career will be over. Um, they'll ship me over to, you know, overseas. So I said, you know, I'll take the deal in Chicago and, uh, you know, go from there. So I said, you call Kenny Holland. Well, get to the rink. I'm talking to my agent. You talk to Kenny Holland? No, he can't get a hold of anybody and in the media. So guys are getting ready for the game. I'm just in my underwear. Guys are like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, you know, I just signed in Detroit. Five minutes before warm up, I call my agent. Anything? He goes, no, you got to walk in that room and tell Babcock you're not playing. Oh fuck! So, about two minutes before warm up, there's no spare. Didn't bring any extra. I walk in. I said, hey, "You know, Babs, you know, with everything going on, you know, I got to think about myself, and you know, I'm Absolutely. not going to play tonight." Yeah. Um. You know, what the fuck? Fuck you. Where's the fucking GM? Get the fuck out of here, you what? fucking cocksucker! Oh yeah, Whoa. just motherfucking me. Babcock and said I that. Said, hey. I would have gave him a right oh, fucking yeah. hook and dropped him, but I, I'm team Babcock just to just yeah, to rattle. Where's my contract, buddy? What uh, like what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, you you, you know, I got This is what I got, and I said I got to look out for myself. I blew my knee. Oh, guess what? You guys don't give a shit. You're not gonna yeah. you gonna pull that from me. So exactly. where's the GM? So I'm in Toronto. You know, get my suit. Brian McLean was the assistant. He's like, get your suit and get the fuck out of there. You know, so I'm standing in the hallway, you know, Toronto with, uh, you know, uh, with all the, all the reps from all, you know, all the stick companies are out there. So I'm talking, I'm going, all right, what the fuck am I going to do now? All my stuff's in Detroit. I got to find a flight home. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up taking a limo to uh, Niagara Falls, uh, staying overnight there, uh, flying to, um, out of Buffalo the next day, Detroit, got my stuff and, you know, I ended up in Chicago and, uh, they said, listen, so it's your, you know, we got a young team here. We want you to come here, but, you know, FYI, you're not going to play the power play. You know, we got Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. We want you to mentor them, and, uh, but you're not going to play the power play. So 
that's when, you know, Happy Gilmer came into play 364 more days in the batting cage. And I just, you know, I sat there turned into a, a defense and defenseman who just took slap shots off a face. And, you know, it ended up landing me, you know, uh, extension, a uh, few more games and, you know, and Stanley Cup at the end of it. You that was ate, the best decision in your life right there. You ate telling... shots for breakfast, dude. <laughs> you know, it's uh, – People ask, you know, at the end of the day, um, I played I played scared that my career was going to be over, so I didn't give a shit. I didn't care if it was Shea Weber. I didn't care if it was Chara. You know, I was going to stand in front of there, you know, and that if it, you know, if it's going to hit me, it may break bones. I don't give a shit. But, you know, I'm still playing in the NHL, and I don't have to worry about life after hockey. So I'll say this, the smartest guys who have – usually sometimes the longest longevity in the league are those who adapt. Cause you said coming in, you know, you were some skilled defenseman, but by that time it's like, there's a new wave of guys who they're just more mobile. They have harder shots and, and this and that, and not to say you were the most offensive defenseman, but, you, but you're like, in order to, to fit in nice here and, and bit, get compensated on the back end of your career, you're going to have to adapt and, and do things that you maybe didn't do early in your career. And fuck dude, you, I mean, that's what everyone remembers you for now is the fact that you were eating pucks with the Chicago Blackhawks and to go back on the, when you walked into Babcock's office that probably was hard to do for you but that was the, probably one of the best decisions of your life yeah you know it's it was the toughest because I'm like look at this team you know look you know Archie you know, Lidstrom you know we go down the list they end up winning the Stanley Cup that year so I'm like fuck you know I may never win a Stanley Cup I'm walking away with this so you know basically I was cashing in you know I was going all in on myself knowing yeah. that um you know, if I don't put up the numbers, if I don't have a good year, um, you know, I fuck myself and, and fuck myself out of a Stanley Cup that ended up being. But um, you're, you're exactly right. It ended up being the, the best decision that I, that I made. Um, came to Chicago, you know, fit in. Obviously, pretty easy group. That was uh, Jonathan Taze and, and uh, uh, Patrick Kane's rookie year. So um, it was pretty easy. You know, I just had to go out there and, you know, try and mentor these guys and, you know, teach them a little bit, but what are you going to teach a guy like Duncan Keith? So I just let him run, and, uh, you know, I sat there, ate pucks for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, you know, like I said, play an extra three years. Fred, there is one guy I do want to ask you about. I wonder if you were his mentor in any way. You spent three years with him in Chicago. Then you actually got traded to Atlanta with him. You were in Atlanta for a brief stretch. Um, hoping you might have some good big buff stories to share with us. Dustin oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> big buff, there, there is no better man than that guy. Um, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. I'll never forget the stories he'd tell me. He got drafted by Chicago. You know, he unplugged his phone because he didn't want to go to, he didn't want to go to uh, camp because he was, you know, 300 pounds and he didn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, that was back in the day, no cell phone. So he just unplugged the house phone and they couldn't get a hold of him. Hey, you know, I, I think I've told this story on the, Soaps, I think I've told this story in the pod before. It was when they brought him in one summer to uh, basically get on the diet and get on the training regimen to get him NHL ready. And they told him he had to start eating better. And sure enough, after uh, he ended up going to like a Cubs game and he was eating like a big thing of street meat fries with like meat on it and cheese. And the, the, one of the, the people, one of the brass members, whether it was assistant GM or GM at the time, ended up walking by and seeing him. And he was just scarfing this thing down on the side of the road after a fucking Cubs game. Oh, they tried everything, bringing you know, dietitians and, you know, his girlfriend was living and taking him shopping. They, they tried everything. 
but at the end of the day, finally, when, you know, when we won, you know, that year and, you know, put him up at forward, you know, what was he playing at? Two, 275, 280. Um, you know, nobody's going to stop the guy. So finally, they just let him go and kind of let him do what uh, he needed to do. And, you know, look out, end up being he's a hell of a player. So that can kind of lead us into uh, something that I think, rightfully so, I can bring up. And that is, you played in Russia for four years, is that true? (laughs) Three years. Three years. Three years. Okay. And now I see the first team you played for, Novo Kuznets. That is a trash barrel. (laughs) Did you ever go there? Did you play there? uh, I I saw that place. And how did you do that? (laughs) So, you you know, obviously not too many people there, but, uh, if you want to uh, YouTube uh, crocodile tears, which is a synthetic heroin, that's the root of it. That's the hometown. So you'll is be able to really? watch that whole city. Yeah, you know it's well, uh, already knows what you're heroin. talking about. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah, they, but... they inject it with uh, gasoline or eye drops, and their limbs fall off. Um, you'll be able to see my apartment in that in that video, and <laughs> <laughs> you know it goes back to Jesus, being so in Chicago. Fucking... A tough run oh. there, huh? Oh, it was. Uh, you know, drink. You know, drink. Uh, drink at night when there wasn't it wasn't games. But so you know, I went over there. Again. Oh, you, you know, there was uh, three, three, three or four guys that could speak English. Uh, North North Americans coaches didn't speak English. Um, the ne- that next year is when you know our trainer trainer committed suicide in the rink with the Russian gas. Oh God! Not our Russian gas listeners. Not our Russian gas. Yeah. Well, what have, oh, can you elaborate? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, again, you know, in this city, nobody spoke English. You know, you go to a local restaurant and take us 15 minutes to trying to figure out that we wanted some bread. You know, we had absolutely no idea. Uh, you know, the Russian gas, everybody knows all about it. Uh, you know, our trainer, we had to go to the rink uh, the night before a game at, at 7 p.m. for video. Oh, for my the God. Video That's for the worse next than day. Baza, whatever that's called. Oh, yeah. No, we never had Baza, but we had to go for video and, uh, you know, went home, you know, came back the next day. I guess as we left, you know, the trainer got in this little massage table that was heated and he strapped the mask on and he turned on the gas and, uh, you know, killed himself. Holy oh, so shit. Ring- Jeez, that's not good for the t-shirt sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Dude, Grinelli, have them cut the t-shirts. Um, but for, for for those who are wondering what Baza meant, or is it is that what it's called, Wit? Baza, yeah. I, I, I've talked about yeah. it before. You gotta, well, we have new listeners, Wit. Yeah. yeah. Some people – actually, Soaps, why don't you explain it? You spent more time in Russia than I did. Yeah, you know, it's so – um, it all, all depends what team, but there's a lot of, a lot of teams that went, you had to go sleep in these barricades where, you know, where the Russian army was, uh, the night before a game, you had to be, you know, at the, uh, Baza by six or seven and, uh, you had to stay overnight there, you know, single beds where you put your laptop on, you know, on this Baza on this bed and you got about half an inch on each side and you had to, everybody in the team had to stay there night before, uh, every single Every single game, and it, it was a it was a nightmare. Thank God, Noble and Kuznets, we didn't have to. That whole place was a was a nightmare anyway, so didn't have to worry about the Baza. 
So this Baza, like, like, what if what if a guy had like a, a pregame night ritual of like tugging one off? Like, were any one of these guys like just like doing shit like that in the Baza, or was it like pretty just everyone went to sleep? Right, you know, it's uh, everybody wants it was you know it was awful, you know, everybody because they watch, you know, at the end of the day, as Wood knows, it's uh, they watch every move you make, you know, they go for uh, quantity, not quality, so, you know, so there's no rest, there's no nothing, they're watching every move you make, they own you. Um, they're making sure that the, the Russians don't get out because every chance that they have, they're going out to, to drink the warm beer with with the straw. So it was watched pretty heavily um, on everything that went on. God help whoever was in Russia watching me throw myself around the room. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Anyway, thank God nobody spoke English because I have no idea. That's you a know, scary thought. You always knew when they were yelling at you, but I didn't give a shit. I didn't know what they were saying. So they're showing you didn't game. Care. Gave yourself <laughs> beat the wheels off your cock. You're like, you know oh, what, though? Shit, <laughs> what are you, Lou Lamorello sneaking in my room on my practice? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you spent you spent a year playing for Ufa. That I, I actually didn't mind where, where they were located. That was a fun rink. The team's pretty good. Is that better? You must have enjoyed that more. Yeah, you know, it was, it was way better. You know, Novo Kuznets was – <laughs> it was always interesting, you know. I don't know what if you had this, uh, you know, that doctor that you know killed himself. When I first got there, he's like, you know, hand signaling that I got to go and go to the hospital, you know, to get my blood taken, you know, because I need an HIV test for, you know, for my visa. Well, you know, I walk up there. There's this glass. It looks like it's fucking uh, Dairy Queen. The lady <laughs> opens up the window exactly like, you know, you're, you're ordering, you're getting your order from Dairy Queen. You know, shove my arm in there, and she grabs this, this needle that's wide open. It's probably been used by 10 people, and uh, just jabs it in my arm. You know, so well, if I didn't have AIDS before, you know, I got it now. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, that, speaking of the needle story, that reminds me of when I broke my toe. I was playing in the American League, and we were playing up in St. John's. And it was, it was bugging me so bad at that point that I had to get it frozen before games. Well the guy who was supposed to freeze it, like the team doctor for the St. John's or whatever, it's in the AHL, it's the jungle. Well, he's late, so I'm fucking waiting to go out. I'm almost going to miss warm-up here. This guy finally That's when you're in. like, this is pro hockey. What the fuck? Where's this yeah. guy? So finally he wheels in. He slowly gets like a new needle together. It wasn't a used one, so thank God. But this guy, he sticks it in my big toe, and it's going out the other side, and he starts, like, like pushing the, the fluid out. And it's spraying, and I'm like, buddy, it's not even in my fucking toe, man. Are you a doctor? And he's like, well, I'm a veterinarian. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Luckily, he backed it up a little bit, squirted some in the toe, and I think I, 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 fought, I fought twice in the first period, and I got kicked out, and, and I went and got shit-faced in St. John's, and it was hey, a good time. Hey, Soaps, I've actually told this story before that when I was doing my, you know, you got to do the blood work, when I, right, right when I got to Russia, the, the lady taking my blood was smoking a cigarette in my face <laughs> when she was doing it. <laughs> In the hospital. How many, how many rinks did you walk out with a haze of smoke sitting across there? Because everybody's got the darts on and everybody's got their jackets and their hats on because there's no heat in the rinks. Jesus. So yeah, now, Soaps, were you there for the love of the game or like a little like broke or like what was the situation that you stayed there for so long? make money, right? Yeah, at the end of the day, it was money. Like I said, I was. I was so scared of uh, ending my career. I didn't matter where I was going to go. I was going to, you know going to go to Novo Kuznets, which is, uh, you know, the worst place ever, you know, I end up in, in UFA, but I didn't, I didn't give a shit what I was going to have to do. 
same thing as Chicago. If I got to, you know, play with broken bones and, you know, take them off the, off the chin, off the teeth, I was going to do that. Cause I was, you know, I was scared shitless of the, of the game of hockey being over. Now, would you say Russia was good or, good or bad for you at that point in your life and career? Was it something that you, you're glad you did or you kind of like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have done that? You know, I, you know I'll, never, I'll never say I'm, you know, I'm glad I did it. You know, I was in and out of, what, 14 countries. You know, these stories that uh, there's only wit and a few others that, uh, that can validate them because, you know, it's that fucking crazy. But, <laughs> you know, I can say I lived through it. Uh, I lived through all those planes. Um, you know, guys, you know, smoking on the plane, opening the back where the, all the luggage is, sitting in the back of the bag, drinking beers and smoking darts on the plane. You know, I lived, I lived through all that shit to oh tell the stories. Um, one story that a uh, few of the more modern day guys talk about that, that are still over there, some of my buddies, is they say you show up to some cities on the road and there'll be like 15 hookers waiting in the lobby and some of the Russian guys will just like call down the lobby and say, yeah, yeah, send up the one with the green dress. Oh yeah, you know that they they live, you know they live for their uh, their beers and their hookers. It didn't matter, you know. You go to Moscow, you know, half the bars were <laughs> were whorehouses. You just uh, you just take them and you know, are you sportsmen? You know, all the hookers, you sportsmen? Yeah, you stay hotel. Yeah, I know that one. Oh, so it's uh, hookers and beers is you uh, you should probably know uh, yeah. everywhere. No, I don't know anything. I, I'm a, I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a pay-for-play guy, and I swear I'm not just saying that for the <laughs> podcast, and that I don't want to be canned by the Coyotes. But which I'm sure once this come out, I will. But uh, no, but uh, yeah, they, my, one of my buddies said that he he had the two of the hottest women he's ever seen same night, and it cost him like 800 bucks. And like like I said, I, I'm not down for the pay-to-play because you don't also don't know what kind of situation those girls are in either. They treat women like shit over there. I ain't fucking down with that. Hey, wasn't it insane, Sopel? Did you have a? Uh, did you have any like examples of seeing the Russians when they would have like their girlfriend and then their wife to like the game the next night? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was every game. You know, it was Damn. tradition there to to get married at a young age, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and have two or three girlfriends on the side. That's they what get you married did. so young. They got married so young over there. Hey, there was a girlfriend section and there was a wife section at the rink. They were in the opposite at corners and all, and they were just like i better have a better bag than that bitch <laughs> but you know, they didn't they didn't give a shit you know they used, like you said they treated their women or their dogs better than women you know they tell yeah. their wife to go home and i'm going out you got no choice you know get to get puddled till you know nine in the morning then go back to you know show up to practice completely in the bag and then then you go home or disappear for five days not tell anybody where you are go on a bender and show up like you know nothing happened. Did you ever uh, dummy anyone in in a game? Did you, you ever fight over there at all? Yeah, I got a, yeah, I got in a few fights over there. You know, yeah. you know, chasing these fuckers around, you know, thinking they're all that, getting you know paid. So yeah, I got to get in a few guys' face. Got in a few fights, but uh, you know they wanted nothing to do with that. There was a you know it was a beer league, no hitting, uh, you know, don't touch me, I won't touch you league. So um, you know there's a ton of skill. You know, Kovalchuk was over there when I was there. Uh, Tarasenko, Panarin. So it was guys like that on the big ice, you know, being as bad a skater as I am. I had to work 10 times as hard at chasing these fuckers around. Did you ever have any issues with getting paid on time? You know, I imagine Novo Kuznets had some issues. You know what? No, I can, I can honestly say I got my money, all my money on time. I oh, never had a problem you. anywhere. That yeah, is not, so, not um, normal. 
Yeah, no, no, not normal at all. Uh, Novo Kuznets is as shitty as the place was. Um, I got my money. You know, they probably shorted me, uh, you know, some like a change here or there. But uh, I got my money. I didn't have to fight for it. I didn't have to, to yell and scream or, or threaten not to play. But uh, uh, I was lucky, one of the lucky ones to, that always deposited my bank account. As soon as it deposited, I got it the fuck out of the country. Hey, did you talk? Uh, did you talk to any guys from the team that had all the fighters on it, where the owner was was a crazy Russian, and apparently he would go into the locker room with like AK forty sevens and shit? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. I knew a lot of guys. You know, in that league, when when you're uh, you know North American, you just want to see another North American to say hi. You know, to feel yeah. like you can speak English. Like, help, <laughs> you help know, me. So I was like, fucking, you know, I just I looked to see who's on the team just so I can talk to somebody and, you know, think I'm normal again, that I could talk to them. So, yeah, we uh, uh, played them many times, but uh, obviously, thank God they didn't ch- chase after me because, uh, you know, guys like Morassi would have beat the fuck out of me. Uh, quick question, actually going back to Chicago Soaps. Um, the game, the last game of the 2010 Cup versus Philly. Did you know Patrick Kane shot? Did you know? Did you see it go in? Did you know it went in? Like, oh, you one of those confused people that didn't know what was going on? No, I think I was the last one off the bench because you know, obviously everything I'd gone through. This is towards the end of my career. You know, Marion Hose had lost two cups in a row. Uh, I was scared shitless that you know it didn't go in, and uh, we were going to end up coming back. Yeah, exactly. You know, bad karma end up coming losing. So. I had no idea. I kind of slowly throw the leg over, you know, over the boards. And I was at center ice kind of skating backwards, looking at the bench, waiting for, you know, confirmations from, you know, from the coaches, you know, you know, half the guys, you know, still don't know, still never seen it go in, but uh, they tell me went in, um, the party went on. So uh, lucky to say that, uh, you know, that did go in. I was happy to win a Stanley Cup. I, I love that that's your story now, that you were nervous, didn't go in, but you were really grabbing your phone quick and tw- and texting Babcock, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First thing I did as soon as I got back in the dressing room, you know, right, right past the boys partying, you know, big <laughs> fuck you text to Babs. We're going to have to get a Babcock support group between what you and uh, Mike Commodore started soon. Oh, I, we're just scratching the surface. We can go on. Oh, God. Well, now, we'll have to get you on again because you've been very entertaining. Uh, Ari, you got one more? Yeah, I, got, yeah, I got one more, actually. After you did Russia, you, you came back, you played at the AHL in Chicago. Now, was that just to make sure that hockey was out of your system? Because you didn't play a whole year. You, I think you played like 20 or 30 games. Was that just to make sure you were completely done with hockey? No, you know what? I was, uh, I was short of 1,000 regular season professional games by, oh. I think it was like 30 or 40. So, um, you know, and, and you know, I had kids at that point in time. So, you know, the three, three years in Russia, you know, was enough, uh, you know, not seeing the kids for, for nine months a year. Uh, so I came back here and I wanted to, I want to hit that thousand games, you know, even though it's not the, you know, not the silver stick in the NHL where you, you know, you got that, uh, you know, that policy, but I, you know, I got a Stanley cup and I can say I played a you know, thousand professional regular season games. So, you know, I can hang my hat on that. A lot of guys can't. It's a hell of a feather in your hat, in your hat for oh, sure. For sure. But, you know, it doesn't oh. matter here. It's all about what have you done for lately. So, you know, everybody's like, fuck you. Where are you at now? <laughs> well, Soaps, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Like, we've, we've talked about the hockey side of it. You know, you've, you've obviously had some ups and downs in your personal life that you've been very vocal about, which, to me, I, I not only commend that, but you've now been helping out a ton of people, uh, even away from the game, just fans. And I just want you to touch on that briefly and, and give fans a perspective of where you've been and, and what you've come back from. 
Yeah, you know, you, you heard me say a couple times that I that I played, uh, you know, I played scared. You know, as a kid, um, you know, I was told that I was, you know, dumb and stupid. I was reading at a grade four level going into, you know, grade nine freshman. And, uh, you know, I was just, just school fucking sucked. Hated it. You know, couldn't read, couldn't do anything. You know, I probably haven't passed grade eight. You know, they just passed me along because I was a hockey player. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until later on, you know, I had kids, I think I ended up being 33 or 34 years old when I found I had dyslexia. You know, it kind of made sense going, all right, all those years I wasn't dumb. You know, I just couldn't, couldn't figure it out. But, you know, it doesn't change the fact that I still have a hard time hard time reading and, and writing and writing emails. So, you know, I played in fear uh, all those years, you know, knowing that, you know, I'm going to have 40, 50 years of my life or, you know, have to get back in the workforce. And how do I write a resume when I can't write a fucking email? Um, you know, what I do. So, you know, I hit the sauce pretty hard. Um, you know, I was drinking, drinking a ton, trying to, trying to get the pain to go away, knowing, you know, am I going to find a job? Am I not going to find a job? You know, I got kids to support. I got bills to pay, you know, I mean, you know, I made money, but, uh, you know, I ended up getting divorced. So, uh, there goes that and what I do. So, you know, I hit the ball pretty hard and, you know, thanks to, you know, actually Biz, one of your buddies, Noah Ferrara, you know, grabbed the, had the balls enough to you know, have a support group and, and toss me into to rehab and, uh, you know, kind of get my life back on track. Uh, if it wasn't, it wasn't for him, where would I be? Uh, that's a good question. I could probably say I wouldn't be here today. And, uh, you know, next week is being sober two years. Oh yeah, man, congratulations. That's fucking awesome. And, good, and man, I, I, I know you, you know, kind of ripped on yourself a little bit there for like not being able to read and write. You're a, you sound like you're an articulate guy. I mean, you might have a, a career in media, whether it's doing, maybe doing radio or, or fuck man, maybe we even throw a fifth guy on the podcast for crying out loud. Well, you wasn't tonight. Oh, fucking, you know, I don't know if I'm at your level boys, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, there was no uh, straight line A to B for me. You know, it was zigzag and no matter where I was, um, you know, guys, my kids grew up, I couldn't read them children's stories. So I had to make up children's story books and I had three characters, Pinky, Greeny and Blackie. And I just, you know, make up stories. They went to the fucking Six Flags and Greeny pissed his pants. And, you know, my kids are laughing and having a good time. But, you know, that was the way I covered up, you know, that's the way I cover up my, you know, you know, my insecurities about, you know, about not reading. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you got, you know, everybody learns in a different way, but, you know, still struggling on a day-to-day basis about it, but, you know, finally feeling at least, you know, pretty good about who I am today. So personality wise, when you, when you get to talk about it and all these people heard your stories and, and everyone was so positive uh, towards you after hearing it, do you, do you feel that it helps to talk about it or are you less upset and insecure about it? Yeah. You know what? For, for all those years, you know, I didn't know what it was. And then when I found out what it was, you know, you, I thought I was the only one, you know, what, what a fucking selfish idiot. You know, I'm not, you know, dyslexia is one in five uh, kids have it or people have it. So, uh, you know, coming out and talking about it, you know, I have parents emailing me all the time, you know, kids, you know, help me with their kids. What do I do here? You know, what do I do there? So, you know, if I can help one kid and have him not feel the way I do, you know, every single day, that's why I end up, some, you know, starting the Brent Sokol Foundation. And it is, you know, for, for dyslexia. So, you know, trying to help these kids, you know, get their self-esteem because at, at the end of the day, uh, that's it. You know, if you don't have any self-esteem, 
start high school, what are you going to turn to? You're going to turn to drugs, drinking, and it's going to lead you down a bad path. And thank God I had hockey or guaranteed I would have been down a path, down a bad path a lot earlier. Yeah. We'll make sure to, uh, to send out the link to, to your foundation for, for all our listeners when, uh, when we air this episode. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, that'd be greatly appreciated. And like I said, people don't understand that dyslexia is hereditary and it's one in five. So, you know, you got kids, you walk in that classroom, you know, break the numbers down. It's pretty staggering. Yeah, and um, listen, talking to you has been a lot of fun. I, I think that uh, you should be really proud. I mean, I remember playing against you just thinking you were an absolute warrior. You played for a long time. Growing up on a farm where a lot of people told you you wouldn't be able to ever make it and – and you proved a lot of people wrong. So not only that, but then the off-ice issues that you've dealt with and where you're at now. So uh, you should be proud, and we really appreciate you coming on. So thank you. No, I uh, honors all my boys. You know, I listen to you all the time. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time for me. We all know your schedules are busy, making all the big bucks that you guys are now. So I appreciate you having me on. Hey, thank, thanks yeah, a lot. Thank you, buddy. Thanks a lot, Soaps. Really appreciate it. And Bastul Chief said to say hello, too, by the way. Oh, guy's got no idea what he's talking about every single day. I can't believe you guys associate with that fucker. Fuck <laughs> on that one, Chief. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, my friend. Thanks for coming on. That interview was also brought to you by Eagle Energy. Eagle Energy started as a great idea. Take all the benefits of an energy drink and remove the negatives to create an innovative product that delivers caffeine faster without any calories or sugar. You know, me and Biz have been slurping on these things for months because they work. They don't get you too wired. They just keep you going, man. It's a great product. Eagle Energy is a caffeine inhaler made of all natural plant-based ingredients, providing the user with a natural energy boost via inhalation. It's a new thing, and it's great. It's got guarana, ginseng, and taurine in it. The guarana fruit packs twice the concentration of caffeine than a coffee bean. It enhances energy levels, mood, and reaction time. You want to know a little more? Sure. Eagle Energy contains approximately 400 inhalations. It can last a day or a week. You're in control. Whatever you're comfortable with, that's what you do. Biz goes a little overboard sometimes, but you might want to do a little less than him, not get us fired up. Whatever works for you, that's what you do. The suggested serving size to provide a fast-acting energy boost is 25 consecutive inhalations. When you inhale caffeine, it is metabolized rapidly. Who wants to wait 30 minutes? Nuh-uh, you get it instantly with Eagle Energy. And with zero sugar and zero nicotine, it's difficult to find a healthier way of getting your energy boost. Eagle Energy is perfect for someone who is always on the go. Whether you're studying or on a long trip, partying or on the ski hill, Eagle Energy is always within reach. So use the promo code BIZ20 for 20% off your order at Eagle Energy. Try it again, Eagle Energy, promo code BIZ20. Thank you very much to Brent Sopel. Uh, great guy who had a lot of good stories for us. As you could, as you as you heard, he experienced the cage, the Russian, the Russian way of life a little bit. Uh, so, also for people who are wondering, uh, Joel Quenville's firing didn't come up because that's one of the interviews we banked. Um, it kind of sucks for us when when that happens when stuff breaks. We're going to try to be better at not banking so far in advance. But I'm busy. Uh, Biz is busy. Everyone, everyone's kind of busy except for Grinnell. He's just busy getting after it. So we're going we're gonna to try our best, but um, sometimes it's just too far in advance. And, and also, he was over on Redline Radio, I believe, just recently, uh, a Chicago-based sports podcast, part of Barstool's Network. So check him out over there, too. But thank you very much to Brett. 
Very, very interesting interview. I, I love talking to guys like that who just have a, a kind of a, a unique way of uh, looking at things, a unique perspective. And he had the all-time fucking Russian gas story. I don't think we can ever top that one. I mean, that was next level. <laughs> we'll Hopefully. have to send some guys over there to play just to bring more back. Oh, seriously, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Um, w- another story, we were just talking about the Metro Division a few minutes ago, Biz. Um, our buddy Tom Wilson, uh, he did appeal his suspension. It was reduced from 20 games to 14 games. Uh, however, the Capitals have already played 16 games, so uh, he's, he's going to get his money back, but he gets fucked out of those two games. The team gets fucked out of those two games. He, there's a, those are two games he couldn't score, add totals to you know, his career totals. And uh, Brian Burke uh, made, you know, uh, do you want to, Mentioned all right, Brian Burke was did an interview the other night, and he basically was saying like they had, they should have fixed this after Dennis Weidman appealed his suspension. It got reduced, and he came back after the you know after the, the there was so many games already played. He got he got fucked out of games. Like basically, if you're gonna get your suspension reduced, you shouldn't have the team already played that many more games than you're gonna be suspended for. So and they didn't fix it then, and now we're seeing Tom Wilson get fucked again. And I think almost the league almost does it on purpose, knowing that the appeal is going to lower the number. So like if they delay it, it's it allows them to get a little more fucking games out of it. Uh, some people commenting, of course, on Twitter didn't really grasp what he was trying to say. He's not taking the player or the situation into consideration. What he's saying is is. After the Weidman situation, this should have been addressed because both the NHLPA and and Lee can come together and say, hey, listen, let's figure out a quicker way to get this handled so this doesn't happen again. So now it's happened twice. Let's hope they take the proper steps in order to address it. That way we don't have this come up again. I don't think anyone is sympathizing or a lot of people aren't sympathizing for Tom Wilson in his situation, but they're just saying the overall situation. They're definitely going to have to figure out something, uh, whether – you know, how the arbitrator is going to work, how is it going to be. But that, that is an issue that I'm sure will get solved at some point, or I hope it does. Uh, moving on, we had a milestone on Tuesday night in the NHL. Jumbo Joe Thornton scored his 400th goal in just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. 5-4 win for the Sharks, who were up 3 nothing against Nashville. Nashville comes all the way back, takes the lead 4-3. San Jose ties it up, and then what a way to get your 400th as the winning goal on home ice, a, a big-time celebration. You know, Jumbo keeps it, keeps it pretty minim- at a minimum with his sellies. You know, usually just a low-key fist pump, maybe. But you see a big arm swing up against the glass. He was fired up, and deservingly so. Hall of Fame player. Um, you saw Brent Burns. Brent Burns sent out a really nice tweet after. You know, you could tell it was a heartfelt tweet talking about just how appreciative he is to not only get to play with Joe Thornton, but meet him as a, become become his friend that he's a better guy off the ice than a player he is on the ice, which is saying something. And also, Joe Thornton um, just always seems to be smiling. And I know that it's hard not to when you've had the career he's had. But I need everyone to do me a favor and check out the uh, NHL players in the history of the NHL who have 400 goals and 1,000 assists. And it's an insane list. I, I think it's around 12 guys. It was on NHL Network today. Maybe Grinelli, we can get that out on Instagram. But it's insane company. So congrats to him. And uh, we got Selly season. Budweiser sponsored us. Uh, that's on the Monday segments. But uh, I think we definitely need an honorable mention to him because you mentioned he doesn't, he's not very candid when he scores because, you know, we, we all know, hey, I'm a passer. That's what he used to do. That's what he tells us. <laughs> I'm a disher. Uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather a sick apple. 
Hey, I'm a disher. But uh, he ended up uh, big fist pump. And then the funniest part was when he went by the line and, and you could tell the boys were so fired up, not only because it was the go-ahead goal, but just because it was his 400. There was such a special moment. The, the post-game interview was unbelievable. So uh, he, he's going to be our, our, I guess, our Thursday edition of Selly season. Uh, and, and we're going to crown him the, the victor uh, on this episode. So congratulations to Jumbo Joe. I did text him. He said that maybe he'll make time of time for us on an interview. He hates doing this type of stuff, but hey, hopefully uh, soon enough we can get him out of his shell and uh, he can join us. I'd say he's definitely. Oh, the- I would. I want. He's an in-person guy. He's a must in-person guy. I'd fly to him. I'll fly to Switzerland. I think his wife's from there. We'll go over to Swiss, have some chocolate, hang out with Jumbo. <laughs> he's definitely the sentimental favorite, though, I'd say, in the league for uh, the guy that everybody wants to win, uh, see win a cup. I mean, you know, Ovechkin was obviously up there, but I think Joe yeah. Thornton's a guy, you know, no matter where you're from, what city you're, you're living or what team you root for, man, you, you would love to see Thornton get another crack at it for sure. Uh, Biz, you had a, a big signing in your neck of the woods, correct? Jacob Chikrin got extended. Uh, I think it's a, a great, I wouldn't call it a gamble, but you know, Chikrin has had quite a bit of adversity the last few seasons. He tore his left and right ACL in the last two years, has had limited time. Uh, he, but this guy is like Wolverine. Always <laughs> comes back before schedule. He fucking works his balls off in the gym. He had to spend the entire summer in Philadelphia uh, recovering away from his family. The mental grind that this kid has been through has been ridiculous. I feel bad for him because he's such a good kid. He ends up getting rewarded, though, uh, for his, his, uh, his commitment to not only coming back in, in recovery, but uh, just, you know, he's, he's a stud. I think he's going to be a star. And the Coyotes, I think, get a really good deal. Uh, why don't you hit us with the exact terms here, R.A.? Yep, he signed a six-year extension worth $27.6 million, comes out to $4.6 million a year. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, that the Coyotes, you know, there's everyone goofs on you, calling them wagon and stuff, but they've really assembled quite a back end there. They, you know, they now have uh, Chikrin, Nicholas uh, Shalmason, Super, Super Nintendo Shalmason, Oliver ekman Larson, uh, Alex Goligoski, and Jason Demers all signed through at least the 2021 season. I mean, that's what you need. You need, you know, a core, a good core uh, consistency in the lineup. And, uh, you know, Arizona's build, building something there. And Whit, before I hand it off to you here, uh, I, I think that he's going to be a, a very good top four defenseman, uh, produce fair, fair offensive numbers. I believe he would probably have been a $6 million type defenseman, maybe five and a half without the injuries. Uh, you know, let's hope he plays beyond that contract. And Whit, I want to ask you, for a guy who's been through that the last two years and how big of a mental grind going from back-to-back very significant serious injuries, I mean, you had the same thing happen. Like, what's that like just, I mean, living in your own head for that long, not being able to play? It's the hardest thing in the world, Biz. I mean, I, I, I was coming off of, you know, major ankle surgery, like my 17th, and finally got back after battling, you know, all summer. All training camp, the season before was when the rehab started. And first game, I got tripped up and, you know, didn't tear my MCL, but had a bad sprain on my MCL. And then right away, you're just thinking, oh, my God, again? Like, I have to restart this? And that was, I mean, he tore his ACL. But he had major, major surgery. And the fact that he came back that quick shows that he is a beast. He's also handsome as hell. Tyson Nash on NHL Network, they were asking him, uh, 
goes, how excited is the team to have him back? He's like, how excited is every woman in the world to get this guy back on the ice? <laughs> oh, he's, 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 a, a, he's a complete man rocket. By the way, man, um, do we have some man, man rocket ugly sweaters coming out? Oh, boy, I won't take mine off. It'll just smell like B.O. the whole time. I don't care. I love the look of it. Um, also, we want to say good luck to Scotty Upshaw. He had surgery. Big fan of the show. You, everyone knows he's one of Biz and I's boys. Great guy. So good luck to him in the rehab. He rehabbed a little in Vail. He's going to come on in the future. We'll get some Scotty Upshaw talk, which everyone will love. And uh, other than that, I don't know. We got anything else, boys? A little longer episode, but nice to be chatting. This is making my ride go a little quicker. Uh, one thing before I have a very serious question for you, Ryan Whitney. I will get scalded from Red Wings fans if I don't mention the fact that they beat my beloved Coyotes. Uh, the Wings are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, 7-1 and one in their last eight, five wins in a row. Uh, I was getting slaughtered online uh, with Wings fans uh, commenting about my wagon comment about the, the Coyotes. Uh, the most I've uh, been bullied online by any fan base, so – you guys have bragging rights, but uh, they'll be traveling to the desert soon, and uh, we're going to get revenge. Now, before we end this episode, we still have the funny story that we need to hear about Grinelli, but what I need, like the fucking oxygen to breathe, I need to hear your thoughts on the Draymond Green and Kevin Durant situation. <laughs> Sickly. <laughs> oh, oh, I was actually wrote this down. I wanted to bring up, bring it up. I forgot. Are those two clowns kidding me? Actually, Draymond Green, what a goon he is. What a goon. Dude, you shouldn't be the one trying to dribble it down the court and hit the game-winning shot, you selfish clown. This would honestly... By the way, Kevin Durant, I think he's a two-time finals MVP, at least a one-time. He's a bitch, but he's also... He's got burner accounts going after 13-year-olds. Complete bitch in terms of how he lives his life online. But he's an absolute gamer, sick jump shot. He hits him to win the games all the time. So Draymond takes it. That would be like me wheeling the net if we were down a ball in Pittsburgh and Sid's like, hey, Beaver tapping me. Winnie, I'm open in the middle. Wit, I'm still open. Wit, I'm way ahead of you. What are you doing? And I skate off sides or fall into the bench and we lose. Like, dude, Pass the puck. And then you know what? I would have said, Sid, I'm so sorry. I had a brain cramp. I don't know what I was doing. You know what Draymond says? You're the bitch, Katie. Fuck off. I don't need to pass you the ball. This is my world. I'm making the big buck. And this is my team. And then Durant's like, fuck off. And then the other guys, we got Boogie Cousins grabbing him. And then Boogie say, it's all good. It's all good. You're the man. You're the man. Don't even worry. He's like, no, fuck off, Boogie. They don't get it. I'm the man. I'm just, I'm disgusted by that entire something where we can vent maybe every Thursday episode about the other stuff because there was also crying on the court when Jay, when um, Rose had like a 50-point game like if Bergeron after missing a year from a concussion came back and had a four-goal game he'd be crying in the middle of the game get out of here I mean it's just it's furious I know people probably think I'm just like ranting and don't feel this way but I actually hate that I, I hate the NBA uh, you think? sorry I couldn't tell <laughs> this yeah that one was ridiculous apparently it ended up going into the locker room and it's just like draymond you're a role guy on a very good team just dish the goddamn ball and you know what you said wit if he did screw up and the guys are like yo buddy dish that he's got to be like boys i fucked up i had the brain cramp but no exactly very, very stubborn uh boys do we cover the jamie ben fight 
We hadn't mentioned it, no, because oh, a lot of, lot of shit back to at talk it. about tonight. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of shit. Sorry this one ran a little long. But before we wrap up, I need to hear the story from Grinnell. Well, no, it's my, it's my story. Yeah, I, think, I think it would do a lot better if Wit told it. But let me my just, bad. I thought it was yeah. yours. Let me preface by saying me, Whitney, uh, Brett Merriman, uh, Young Page Views and Rudy went out last night and uh, got some drinks. And uh, Wit wasn't too pleased. And Frankie. With, uh, and Frankie. And Frankie Borelli. I'm sorry. And Frankie Borelli. And Wit wasn't too pleased. Suck ple- on that, Frankie. Suck on that, buddy. I know you're listening. Wit wasn't too pleased with uh, office manager Brett's uh, drink of choice. So, so Wit, why don't you tell the story? Chris, Chris, you will not believe this move by this kid. Nice kid, fluffy hair. Nice kid, though. I met, about, I met him in Saratoga for a few minutes this summer. Nice guy. Comes out for beers. You know, so I go up to the bar. Hey, I don't need a drink. All right, so um, we had gone on the IPAs, but we switched over. We were having some vodka sodas, New Amsterdam vodka. Absolute winner. So we're having some, and I said, all right, well, we need three vodka sodas, and we need two beers. I think or three beers. Some guys are still having beers. All of a sudden, this red kid, like, Behind my shoulder, like I feel his hair bump into my shoulder. It's like soft as soft as a pillow. Like what the hell? He's like, did you order the drinks yet? I'm like, yeah, I just ordered the three vodka sodas and three beers. She hasn't started making them. He's like, oh, I'm gonna switch mine. She's like, what? He's like, could I get a pumpkin spice flavor, short rim, spiced rim, sugar on the bottom and the top, um, martini? I was like, dude, are you kidding me right now? You should have seen the look she gave him. She's like. Instead of making three vodka sodas and getting three IPAs, I have to make you this drink. Dude, it took her 25 minutes, and he got this thing in a glass that, honest, honest to God, you could one time, you could hold it, you could hold it with your index finger and your thumb. I'm doing that while I'm driving right now, and I'm just sipping like, a, like, like, a, like, a, like an old lady in England drinking tea. And it was just, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I was dumbfounded. Brunelli, was it not deservingly like me to be what is going on right What planet am I living on? Yeah, I was rattled. I, I was most rattled by the way he did it, how you were just like, yeah, we'll take uh, three vodka sodas and uh, three more of those IPAs. And he squeezed in and he was like, uh, actually, scratch that. Uh, I'll take a He's pumpkin like, spice I need espresso the- martini with the sugar on the rim. It was it, yeah. it pumpkin spice espresso. He's like, I'm, I, my, I need some energy. So this espresso martini will, and the pumpkin flavor of fall. I'm like, Brett, dude, honest to God, you're jump-starting a puke right now for me. I'm having nightmares about this. So the I up, Dude, I had a nightmare last night. I woke up in a, in a sweat to, this, to a dream of that kid doing it to me again. Boys, I can't really uh, hi- chime in on this because I'm bad order guy, but that's more so with food sometimes. But, yeah, that's a tough drink order. Craziness. Craziness. The All right, well, guys, the- uh, this is a long episode. Yeah. Hey, one quick one. I, I've, been, I've been asked a bunch. Um, people want to know man rocket status. The Blackhawks coach Jeremy Colleton. I haven't seen a good enough pitch yet. So, uh, you guys got to vote on that, or should we? Yeah, he's, he's got, you know what he's got. He's got that like Toby Maguire look, where like you know he looks like the guy. He looks like the guy who played the Scarecrow in one of the Batman with Robin oh, uh, with Zillian, uh, Christian Bale. Cillian Murphy, man, great actor. Wow, and, good call, Wit. And dude, how about yeah. how about Uppy though? Yeah. He, Scotty Upshaw, even in his post-operation, he's got bedhead, a Johnny hanging off him, oxygen tubes, wires everywhere. Three Cialis in him. Still a goddamn man rocket. I was like, oh, just come out of surgery, and he, and he should be on the cover of GQ. Well, right? yeah, he's probably, coming out of surgery, you feel great, though, usually. 
Yeah. Well, boys, that was an unbelievable episode. I know we ran a little bit long, but uh, there was a ton to talk about. Uh, glad we mentioned some teams that we don't normally get to talk about. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great weekend, all.